I'd never, I'd never really been part of like a Grand Depart kind of event before. And I could tell you that, I mean, Sarah, I'll agree, like the atmosphere is, I mean, I totally get it now. Like the stories, the, the Sunday morning, like of the Grand Depart was just, it was unbelievable. Like yeah. people were like in the most incredible spirits. Um, like I didn't do the full ride because I stayed back to just uh, welcome riders in, things like that. But I rode out with people in that morning and oh, I can't believe how many people were just enjoying being alive on their bicycle. Every turn had a different view and then a different climb and then another spectacular view and just so many amazing farmlands, places I never knew. I've lived in this area, part of this whole roots area for, I mean, I won't tell you how many years, but all my life. <laughs> and it's just, um, it's phenomenal what I didn't even know was here. Just so much beauty. And then all of a sudden they would take off in like this streak of orange off beside me. And I was like, it's like, whoa, it's like, that's so crazy. And then I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm like, you're riding your bike alone. <laughs> so that part, it cracked me up. It was good humor at that point. That's Matthew Cady, Sarah Kaler, and Kyle Messier. And this is the Bike Pack Canada podcast. It's midnight, and I lay mummified in my bivy sack. I stare wide-eyed and restless into the milky night fog. Beneath me, the loamy highland moss, nature's perfect air mattress. Nothing is happening. I was never a gifted sleeper. Nap time was not my moment to excel. As a child, my preschool classmates would take to their cots like cream cheese to a bagel. I could only lie there and wait for the torture to end, stare at the ceiling, aimless wondering, motionless wandering, straight A's but never straight Z's. What is the point of this? We're wasting time. Nap time was a conspiracy to me, an unjust ritual to pacify the young. My mind buzzed, mimicking the hum of the now silent fluorescent lights blankly staring down at me. Inevitably, my cot and I were relegated to the toilets, so I didn't disrupt my gifted classmates. Sleepers, the lot of them. So there I was, 42 years old, me and my old demons, the skeletons of preschool insomnia. For all those sheep I counted across the Scottish Highlands, I couldn't find a wink of sleep. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to the Bike Pack Canada podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Uh, there are no voice memos this time around, so I thought I would read a few paragraphs from RJ Sawyer's write-up on his Highland 550, in which he didn't sleep very much at all. And when I read that piece, it really resonated with me. Um, just, I'm a horrible sleeper when I'm out there in the woods. I'm not sure if it's a primal brain thing or what, but oftentimes I'll find myself tossing, turning, looking at the stars, staring at the trees. And I think, what am I doing? I might as well just keep going. Um, I, so yeah, it, it really resonated with me reading that piece. If you want to check out more of his stuff, you can head on over to rjsawyer.com, rjsauer.com, and you can check out uh, all his media there. 
Um, he owns a production company called Bruder, uh, Bruder.ca, which will actually direct you back to rjsawyer.com. Um, I found his, his word, his, his writing is like poetry. And that's why I kind of felt compelled to read it because it, uh, I just love it. It's awesome. Anyway, I'm really excited to announce as well that he and I had a conversation and that's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about his um, experience on the Iditarod Trail Invitational as well as the AR700 and his fi- family bikepacking journeys this summer on parts of the uh, on a part of the BC Epic 1000 route. And I really hope you enjoy that. And that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. So hopefully all those of you have, uh, who are trying to get to the summit have signed up and you didn't miss the cutoff. I'm super excited. Just a couple more days and uh, we'll see you all out there. There should be some uh, emails coming out your way um, and what to bring and how to prepare. Um, the overnighter should be interesting. <laughs> the weather doesn't look amazing, but you know what? Just be prepared. We're going to be all right. Um, there's going to be a bunch of us there and if it gets too cold, we can just huddle. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm actually really looking forward to getting out there, rain or shine or snow, or sleet, or hail, or whatever Canmore is going to throw at us. Um, but yeah, it's it's on its way. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody at the summit. Super good time. Uh, we're going to have a blast. I'll see you the night before at the social. Um, if you're not doing the overnighter, we'll all meet there and uh, have a couple pints before we start the weekend festivities. So uh, look forward to that. So I've got a double-decker podcast for you today. The first half is with Matthew Cady. Uh, the BT700 organizer, and Sarah Kaler, who is the top women's finisher. And then the second half is going to be between myself and Kyle Messier, who's the top male finisher. Great conversation. Super awesome down-to-earth people. After listening to that, I just want to get out there and do the BT700. Just <laughs> every time I have conversations with these people about their races, I just get such a good vibe. It sounded like everyone had a really good time on that race. And it was a huge success. Um, I know Matthew was a little apprehensive a few months back before the start of the race. And uh, I think that all that was blown out of the water uh, by the awesome community of bike packers we have and the support that he got throughout that race. So um, I hope you enjoy the conversation. And now I bring you Matt, Sarah, and Kyle. So congratulations, Sarah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's that's amazing, and Matt. I feel like Matt deserves the congratulations. <laughs> I was gonna say congratulations, Matt, on your first uh, on your first uh, event. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I had no idea what I'm doing, what, what I was doing, but it kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, you had a lot of good feedback, though. I'm sure, right? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was like, yeah, for sure, one of the best weeks of my life, definitely. Awesome. And uh, Sarah, we've Matt's been on before. Um, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself and kind of, kind of your, your background in cycling? Boy, um, <clears throat> that's a long one. <laughs> you, you can go as long as you want, longer the better. <laughs> well, it started when I was a small child. No, I won't, <laughs> you I won't, can. I won't go like that far. You could. <laughs> um, I've, uh, I've been riding and racing, I guess, for, I don't know, 20 years. Maybe I started pretty late in the game, I think. I am old. But uh, in the past, let's say maybe 10 years, I've really gotten into endurance riding more and more. And um, I don't know why, but I gravitate every year towards things that are longer and longer and longer. I love the longer events. And I started to love bikepacking. Really, I had my first big bikepacking events in, I guess, 2012, really. I started to think that it might be really awesome to go out and camp and ride and camp and ride and just spend days on the trail. 
so I did a few things uh, in other places. And when I heard that Matt was putting together this route in Southern Ontario, I was so stoked because it's my own backyard. And I was really excited to go out on trail for a bunch of days and have a good ride and have a good test. And so, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. But that's sort of my background in a nutshell. What was your, what was your first event? <laughs> Uh, it was the Tour Divide in 2012. Awesome. Yeah, I kind of jumped in with both feet. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I think that's the best and way I, to learn, though, is to just jump in. Yeah, right? I suppose it's funny because I didn't have I didn't have a whole lot of recon. There was there was internet information, obviously, and as you know, I'm not that techie, so there wasn't a whole lot of looking that way. But um, I didn't know anybody who had done it. I had seen the movie. I think Mountain Equipment Co-op showed the the Tour Divide, the Ride to Divide movie one day in Toronto. And I went down, I watched it and I just said, that's it. Next year, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and off I went like a total newbie. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> so I was hooked. And now every year I'd like to do at least one or two or bigger events but then a bunch of bike packing on on i just do overnights sort of weekenders when i can yeah. and it's awesome because they're not races they're not expensive they're just going out and exploring and having a good time so and when someone organizes a trail that's so long it's how could you not do it <laughs> and go enjoy it so it's pretty fun that's good so what was your what was your finish time on the tour divide well that year I made it about 10 days through and I had a whole bunch of logistic newbie errors, a lot of computer and navigation issues. Um, So at about the 11th day, I found myself riding a hundred and some odd miles from somewhere in Montana back into Butte. And I was going to get my situation fixed, but I saw the airport and just decided to pack (laughs) up my bike and go home. My brain was out of it. So that was it for me, 11 days that day. And then I went back again in 2014 and I did it in 21 days Sweet. and I felt pretty good about that. But I, um, again, more newbie errors. I got really hypothermic a couple of days and really, really sick. So I think I will go back next year and try to shave a few more days off because I know it's in me and I'm excited for the challenge, but yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like you, like you go on these things and you just keep learning and you learned a bunch of stuff on your first one and you learned a bunch of stuff Absolutely. on your next run of the tour divide and, and uh, you still finished it, which is an accomplishment in and of itself, yeah. just to finish that route. And then, uh, I, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's, exci- it's exciting for sure. And it is, it's so true. Once you've seen a course once, it's obviously a little bit easier the next time and you're more comfortable and it's a lot more fun the second time. But I guess I took, I took it the first time maybe too seriously and I should mm. have relaxed a little and just had more fun with it. <laughs> but Live and learn. <laughs> yeah, I think that's common too. You set, you maybe you might set some some unrealistic goals for yourself because you, you kind of go in not even knowing. You, you have no yeah, expectations sure. and then you set your expectations too high and then you don't reach them and then you feel bummed and you, you feel like a failure and and then you go yeah. back and you you do something. Yeah, you can't learn without failing. So that's no. awesome. Good for I you. I think the, sec- <clears throat> the second time for sure I relaxed a lot more and that made the difference. It was more about just going for the ride as opposed to trying to meet some time goal. Right. So that was a whole lot more relaxing, a whole lot more fun, and in the end, a lot faster. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So how do you uh, how do you prepare for? Um, so what other events have have you done? Like, do you do you are you constantly training for for events that are coming up or? I am. I think I I ride daily and I race a lot. I, I guess a lot. I do a lot. Uh, I like 24 solo. That's sort of my thing. Eight hours. So although I haven't done any of the Ontario eight hours, haven't matched my calendar this year, but 
um, 24 solos for sure, marathon races, 100 milers, that kind of thing. So I'm always riding and looking towards training for something. Never really know what they are exactly. The rest of my summer is pretty quiet. I don't really know what I'm going to do, but um, still riding every day, getting ready for whatever the weekend throws at me. Right. Yeah, you got to <laughs> yeah. keep your base, right? Yeah. I'm sure. And I'm sure. I mean, right now it's sort of, uh, I'll enter a race on a whim. So if next weekend there's something uh, that looks fun, well, then we'll go if there's room. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah I all... usually, I work, I work a lot of weekends, so it's hard to pick races. So a lot of it is just about riding through the week and having a good time and getting in as many fun rides as I can right now. Yeah. Uh, timing yeah. All, timing and logistics are difficult for these things. Yeah. I find. Yeah. yeah. So then you learned about, uh, so when you learned about the, um, the BT, did you reach out to Matt and just kind of try to get some info from him or? Yeah. I mean, Matt was right there and helpful. Like he, the trail passes right by my neck of the woods. So there was uh, an exchange of information on, you know, what's the trail doing here? Can we find a route? And, and I'm sure I wasn't as helpful as I could be and hopefully will be in the future. But we talked a bit beforehand and uh, yeah, it was, and Matt was great. I can't believe the amount of work that he put into putting this route together. It was pretty phenomenal. If you get out there and ride it, you'll see it's really um, unexpected and spectacular, the places he took us. So there was a lot of, a little bit of conversation beforehand. I did a little recon on the route probably a month and a half before we started, I think somewhere in June or May. I can't remember when I hit the trail for a couple of days just to try sort of sections of it to see what it might be like. And we exchanged back and forth after that situation. But uh, yeah. But Sarah, you went out, the weather was horrible, right? Oh, it was so horrible. I left in the pouring, <laughs> pouring rain and it poured all day long. And then, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty wet. But yeah. Luckily, in, in Ontario anyway, uh, I guess in July, you're pretty much guaranteed fairly good weather. And even if it pours on you like it did during the BT-700, it's warm. So yeah. you're not, you're never going to be too, too freezing. But uh, yeah, what a great route. <laughs> so uh, Matt, like hearing that just must give you goosebumps. You must feel so great about that. I was kind of, I mean, to be honest, um, my girlfriend, Tabby, who helped me design the route, so she was like, you're going to have to learn to have a little bit of a thicker skin than I do. Because <laughs> the first, the, it was kind of a learning experience because the first guys that were coming through were really tired. I mean, if you're doing it in Kyle's time or like, <laughs> you know, under like, you know, under 60 hours, you're going to be pretty tired and grumpy probably by the time you finish it. I think Kyle's so, grumpy. I, <laughs> so I had to really like, Tabby was like, oh, you just have to let them sleep and get some food and then you can kind of kind of get their feedback. But I think as the week went on, it really became more and more positive. Like people were just telling me like how how incredible their journey was. And some people said it was like the best time they've ever had on a bicycle. And like and people there were a lot, as Sarah was saying, there was a ton of newbies and people who were learning on the on the fly and just some incredible accomplishments, like guys out there on skinny tires, yeah. <laughs> way skinnier than they should have been on. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of those guys, crazy. Um, like, cro yeah, yeah. like cross, like 40. Oh yeah, 35s. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got three like, inches, man. I ride the big threes. <laughs> yeah, part of it's because people think like Ontario is just kind of like flat kind of gravel. But are you, I really try to put together, <laughs> to put so it together flat. a route that 
Yeah. Put together a route that kind of shows them that we have some really pretty gnarly kind of terrain out there for for bike packing. So I think I had kind of 7,500 meters of elevation over the course of a couple of days. Yeah, for sure. Wow, yeah, 7,500? It was probably yeah. more. See, that's Ontario. reporting more. Well, see, I'm, yeah. I'm from Ontario originally, Deep River up north. And, uh, and I consider it pretty flat. I mean, up, up there, they're the, the Laurentians, right? They're, they're, it's mountainous, but it's, it's nothing like here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I never would have thought you'd be hitting 7,500 meters of elevation. That's our, um, ascent. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. I mean, a couple riders, a couple riders came in at 8,000. So it's like, yeah. depending on the weather right. kind of, and the devices, but right. So I think it's about the hilliest you can probably make it. And this part of Ontario. That's awesome. I agree. You hit every giant climb we possibly could have. Yeah. <laughs> did you do that intentionally, Matt? Did you, did you seek out uh, elevation? A bit. I wanted to make sure it's challenging because I think that's what people remember. If it's just a bunch of flat rail trail, I don't think, you know, people are going to be too stoked to kind of do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's really, people don't see it at the time, but we all, we all kind of relish in the challenge Oh yeah. of trying to get over there. But I think I, more and more, I was just trying to seek out the most beautiful spots. And, you know, if you have to, you know, tackle a hill to get there, then so be it. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of, the way the route just kind of designed itself, it just lended itself to the hilliest terrain. Oh, the beautiful area. views. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was the, uh, Sarah, for you, what was the um, kind of the highlight section of that, of the BT? Oh, do you know what? There were so many. Every day had a different kind of highlight. Every day had 15 different terrains in it and so many different, I guess, vantage points. Um, the first day was amazing because it's all Mennonite territory and it's beautiful gravel roads and long sloping climbs. And, you know, the Mennonites are out in their carriage and horses and you're seeing the, the beautiful sort of Southern Ontario countryside. It was amazing. But when you get into what I consider day two, once you're um, past sort of the Owen Sound area, some beautiful trails heading into Owen Sound and then the climbing starts and you've got Georgian Bay and you tip down and there's this Beaver Valley, massive, massive climbing and beautiful back sort of the no exit road that everybody talks about so many of those wonderful non non bikeable and hike a bikeable and no no entry or no exit roads um i had a highlight at one point coming out of one of those um no exit sort of hike a bike trails actually it was just a pretty gnarly trail i think i might have been riding but i crested a spot before we hit creamore and it was so so high and i knew i could see across the valley and there was this massive gravel gravel ribbon going up the other side of the valley and i was like I know Matt's taking us up that, but at this particular time, it was coming down to about, it was probably 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and I stopped to eat a turkey sandwich, and the view from the top of this sort of farmland, but popping out of a forest that you didn't even realize this road had been in there, um, looking out across the valleys and just seeing these rolling, rolling hills. Now we're looking down in, into sort of the Mono area of Southern Ontario, and it was just spectacular valleys and views. And I think that was a highlight because the sun was setting and I knew I had to make Creamore before the store closed, which gave me about five minutes. So I just bombed on <sighs> down the hill and I made it to the store on time. But that was a, that was definitely a highlight. But I think 
every turn had a different view and then a different climb and then another spectacular view and just so many amazing farmlands, places I never knew. I've lived in this area, part of this whole Roots area for, I mean, I won't tell you how many years, but <laughs> all my life. <laughs> and it's just, um, it's phenomenal what I didn't even know was here. Just so much beauty. So the highlight was actually just the entire route. Just it took us so many neat places. So you're familiar with some of it, but most of it you, you really hadn't been on before? Yeah. And even the areas that I have ridden for the past 20 years, Matt found little roads and little trails that I never knew were there. And they were all really amazing. So I'm going to go back and ride them again <laughs> now that I know they're there. But yeah, we saw some really, really beautiful stuff. Yeah, it and was awesome. What was your finish time? Um, I guess I was 59 hours. Is that right? 59 hours, 11 minutes or something? I can't remember. Around there? Somewhere yeah. in there. Just just, so, under, just under, what is that, three days? Two and a half days, sorry. Yeah, we started uh, <laughs> 8.30 on the Sunday, and you came in around 8 o'clock on the Tuesday night. So like right. Two and a half. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's amazing. Did you? Yeah, did you, you have to do a lot of pedaling for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a lot of rotations, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Did you sleep? How much sleep did you get on that? Well, sadly, um, sadly, not a lot of sleep, but I did end up stopping for probably five hours each night, which was more than I had anticipated. In my mind, it was sort of a personal challenge to just blast on through and sleep maybe a few hours, just stop three hours each night and maybe a cat nap here and there. But um, I guess the first night it was so freezing that I just hunkered down and I, I ended up not wanting to move for a few hours. So I spent a little more time being lazy. And then uh, the second night I had it in my mind that my goal for the day was done. So I, I tucked in and then it just poured rain on me. Yeah. So again, I just, I shivered through the night and then slept a few hours and got up a little later and got going. <laughs> so I did stop more than I wanted to, but um, I had some pretty good heavy sleeping the second night. I was tired. <laughs> I think there's some debate out there as to whether, like, how much sleep. Like, the, the last yeah. the last race I did, I slept for five hours over about the same amount of time. So a two-hour first yeah. night, three-hour. Sometimes I wonder, and I was kind of slow going. Like, I wasn't, I was sleep-deprived, so I probably wasn't hammering as much as I could have. And there's a debate, well, well, if you do the four or five hours sleep, you're going to be in better yeah. condition to go harder the next day. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting thing you have to balance, right? No, and I'd, I'd kind of agree with that. If you're going to be, if you can't, like the young guys at the front, <laughs> I think of them as young guys. If they can go on that kind of sleep, that young. <laughs> I, I have to give them kudos. Like they're all amazing, but um, I needed a little more. And I noticed that the second day. And that made me, I guess, maybe more able to push through on the, on the last day than if I just tried to push right through. But it was tough. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you bring a shelter or are you just bivy? Um, I just had a bivy sack. I had an emergency bivy and I didn't bring a sleeping bag this time. So I paid for that on the first night because it was really cold. I swear it went down to about zero. Wow, it was really? Really cold. It was so cold. What a weird but, summer uh, it's been, hey? Yeah, it was, we were right on the shore. I was on the shore of Georgia Bay at the time. So I guess the lake effect as well, it got really, really cold. And then the, the second night I was fine. It was warm. It was pouring rain and thunder and lightning, but I had the bivy sort of tucked around my chin and it was okay. <laughs> Keep the Sitting water under up. a tree against a fence. <laughs> but 
but uh, yeah, so I, I knew being a shorter um, period of time that I'd be out there and being pretty warm that I didn't need to bring a lot of stuff. So I, I just brought the minimal that I could and it worked cold, but it worked. Would you bring <laughs> next time? Would you bring something different, a heavier puffy or uh, would you bring a, a quilt or something? Um, I might, I might, if I know it's going to get that, that cold on the shore, then I might. The second night, everything was fine. So I probably would have just stuck with what I brought. But then again, maybe next time I don't want to sleep. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see how my, my thought pattern is next time around. I actually thought I'd go back again in September and just take a little more time to do it because I think I missed a lot of the really neat campsites Mm. and the neat things that I could have seen if I'd taken a bit more time, there's just, there was so much to see and so many little trails to do extra on the route that I would like to go back and try. So I might go back and do it with some more camping gear and take, take a little more time. (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of recon too. So next time, so then you would have done it twice. The next time you do, I think those navigational issues can really slow you down. So if if you kind of, you can memorize those key spots and you know, when you make those turns, you know, you can save time, I guess. Absolutely. Did you have any low points? Was it the rain and the cold? Um, but, well, you know, it's odd that I was freezing my butt off and I have a problem with cold. Like hypothermia and I are best friends <laughs> and I didn't want to go there and I was really cold, but I was having a great time. I had a really good camp spot and I felt really happy. And then the next night, even in the pouring rain, I had an unfortunate run in with a coyote that freaked me out. Oh, but, weird. Um, for the most part, the pouring rain, I knew it was coming and it was warm. So I was okay. Um, I don't, my lowest point was that I was riding single speed and I had picked way too big a gear. (laughs) So I was really mad at myself on a a lot of climbs that I knew I could probably do or should have done. (laughs) And I didn't, I just look at them and I go, Oh, get off your bike. And I'd push up the hill and I'd be like, Oh, it's stupid. What ratio? I was 34, 18, which doesn't seem very heavy, but I'm short. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was it was great for me on the road. The first day it was fantastic. But the next two days, it was just for the climbing that we did. And I swear to God, it is relentless, beautiful, relentless. But it was too much for me. And I was I was tired and it was just heavy on the knees for sure. So I think next time I'd probably drop to a 19. I wouldn't make a huge change, but just a little bit. Yeah. Just to give me a little extra spin up the hills. So I was, I was mad at myself a lot, but, um, not, no real low points. I mean, I had a blast out there. Awesome. <laughs> Would you do a single? Sp- yeah. You'd do a single speed again. Just drop a couple yeah. teeth, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I love it. So yeah. it works for me. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in the aftermath of this, Matt, what have you what kind of, what other feedback have you gotten? Have you gotten some, any, any negative feedback or, or people saying, you know, improve this or any suggestions or. I mean, the biggest controversy, well, not controversy, but um, the route is kind of backloaded with the trails. So people get all done all the, like the really big hills and they kind of think they're done, but then they get into all this kind of single track, which slows them down. Um so there's always navigational issues with that. It's just the nature of the beast. Those uh, kind of garment, the garments and and uh, GPS navigation systems are always not going to be that great in trails still. Um, but the the biggest issue is because we had like an extremely wet spring, and then it got really hot and dry, and that seems the weeds seem to love that combination. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So some of the trails got kind of overgrown. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a, 
Um, a lot of people having some grass issues. <laughs> <laughs> what, getting but, caught uh, in their pulleys so, and stuff? Yeah, just like yeah. they couldn't find the trail. And, you know, sometimes kind of uh, a few like kind of um, rocks might get hidden and things like uh, that in the trails. Yeah. So I think I think in the future, I'll just kind of maybe try to try to work maybe a little more on trail maintenance if I can do that. Um, uh, things like that. I don't know, <laughs> man. I, I'm kind of on the mm. fence with that. I was talking to someone the other day about um, a route, a race that's coming up and, and he had kind of made some, like some changes to the route and um, he was getting some feedback. It's like, Oh, we can get a crew together and we can go up and do some trail maintenance. And uh, it's like, yeah, but that's not really, that's not really what these are about. These are adventure races, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the last one I did, there was a, like a 500, 400, 500 meter bushwhack. It was like, yeah. it was, it was freaking horrible. It was horrible. But you know what? After yeah. I finished it, it was like, rad, that was awesome. Like it just is yeah. what it is. Right. And you, you, you spend like whatever, 45 minutes and it bush was full of berries. So I was just like, Hey bear, <laughs> Hey bear, you know, constantly and just bushwhacking. And then, and then hike a bike is, it's like, well, you know, Sarah on a single speed, you're going to walk it's just the way it is. You have to, I call that, th- I call that third gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right you have to get off and walk and that's just the way it is and some people and they complain but it's an it's an adventure and and um i wouldn't do any trail maintenance no man that's it's mountain biking it's it's yeah, yeah. i don't know i i would just and i think for i think for the most part people really loved having the trail in there because it added to the to the total because you know before the trails in the last 100k kilometers or so i mean there's a ton of like those backcountry type of roads that really kind of beat you up. So yeah. the trails kind of add a little kind of more like kind of you get in the forest more and mm. just a different type of vibe to the whole route. Yeah. So by the time you're done of it, you're like, wow, I can't believe how much different kind of terrain there is in 715 kilometers. Oh, I wish I could get instead of just ride it, man. <laughs> you have to someday just, i don't have any money. <laughs> I'd have to fly out there and, oh man. I wouldn't need a hotel. I carry my shelter. So I just sleep yeah. in the woods. <laughs> yeah. So any, any changes for next year, you guys, uh, Matt, like, are you going to change the route at all? Or you said you had no, an, probably not huge changes. You said you had an extension you're going to throw on there. Oh yeah. I'm always no? kind of scouting some new things. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm hoping to add like a kind of a standalone kind of separate loop to it that people can do both if they want. Um, so I'm in the works for that, but there's little like tweaks to the the original route that I think can make it a little even better. But I don't need to go out there and try to make it harder or anything because no one no one crossed the finish line and think, <laughs> oh, that was too easy. No, no, no. <laughs> That's good. That's so. good. No, no one no one was bored. Everyone was happy. Everyone was punished. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. yeah, but once you start like scouting scouting stuff, you just I don't know. I, again, my girlfriend Tabby and I were just like, that's what we're, we do, we enjoy doing that. So it's always like, oh, like we love going to scout some new terrain and things like that. So um, I'm always, if I can add more and more kilometers to the bike packing that we have in Ontario, I'm totally, totally into that. Well, I think you're the man. I think you just have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah and so in different <laughs> different regions too okay like, we'll help too <laughs> yeah <laughs> i heard there's a loop up actually in my where i grew up in my neck of the woods um 
it kind of goes like around the uh, the northern tip of Algonquin Park and you cross over Swisha into Quebec and there's this really remote section oh. that goes around and then I can't remember where you come out, where you come back. But you actually end up crossing the river twice. I think you cross the river over to Quebec and, then you, and you cross it again. So it might be down more towards, um, maybe down towards like Renfrew, like that way kind of thing. Maybe that's too far. <laughs> you should look into that though because there, there's another, another mm-hmm. route up there. Um, yeah, just that's all you can do, right? Is is just keep scouting and that uh, extension you were talking about. Could you make those loops contiguous so you end up with like a thousand kilometer bike pack route? Oh yeah, it, it attaches to the BT seven hundred. So when it's done, it'll be eleven hundred kilometers. Of- <laughs> Sarah's <laughs> ready <to> stoked. Go <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's ready. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> but I think what's going to happen is, you know, that'll be probably ready for next year. And people will be, oh, that's, that'll be amazing. And then they'll get done. The BT-700 is like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no more. I'm not ready to do another 300. You have to put that that loop way out from the start finish. You have to put it way out. So, you know, like people. Yeah, you have no choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just go and do it. <laughs> I heard there was a route, the um, the Hurt in Alberta, which was kind of a big figure eight. Yeah. And people would come through the figure eight and it was a, it was a huge attrition point, I think, because people would get there and be like, oh, you know, I'm done. there's my car like right (laughs) there. (laughs) The point A to B is a logistically, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I will say that the, the completion rate for the full route was, is definitely under 50%. So about half, like half start attrition, not like. Wow, that's yeah. Like, that's... I mean, everybody starts, but I mean, if you look at the design of the route, it's pretty easy to say, "Well, I'm just going to cut over, right. cut over, and miss this section, or you know, take out a hundred kilometers here." So, right. Um, yeah, it's definitely pretty, pretty well under fifty percent of the people have gone out there and actually been done like the full, full route as plotted. Yeah, you know, the difficulty of the route, notwithstanding, it actually sounds like a really good. Uh, intro route because you have those options so if you get really deep into it and you're like oh you know what i can't you, you have these bailout points like lots of bailout points yeah. i would imagine oh lots yeah and also lots of like you're not you don't have to cycle 200 kilometers before you get some sort of supply point right. or services and the water oh so drinkable oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> everything coming out of the georgian highlands Beautiful, clear water coming out of those hills. Oh. Yeah. Do you filter? It was, it was you... easy to find stuff. Yeah, lots I of used water. Ta- I used tablets a yeah. couple of times just when I was sort of in the, oh. in the farmland. But for the most part, I was just pulling out of anything trickling out of the woods, and it was nice. so good. <laughs> it's so wonderful yeah. when you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to carry, like, six yeah. pounds of water on your back. You can just kind of fill up here and there. And Yeah. Nice. There was no problem on this route with refill, for sure. Yeah. It was great. So that's good for people to know that. But right? I think that's Sarah's like, sorry, I think that's Sarah's like experience though, because I did hear a lot of people who like totally ran out of water. They wanted it was like they're... with a Gatorade or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. worst. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like 35 degrees for a couple of days. So hot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. humid, I would imagine. I, that's what I remember about Ontario is the humidity. There was yeah. good humidity. It was, it was weird, blistering heat. Yeah. And some bugs a little bit. (laughs) It was was definitely some of our hottest days this summer when that went on. That's something I haven't had to do in the races I've done is deal with really, really intense heat because I 
I work way better in the cold than the heat. I haven't had to really deal with that. So mm-hmm. I worry a bit about that. That's because that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to drink, drink. Yeah. Eat, eat, eat. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hard to do when it's hot, but you have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, how was the reception kind of around the route? Like, were there uh, people expecting you like in the different towns? Was there, was there any trail magic? Yeah, you know, there was some, <laughs> someone had ridden ahead of me at one point and told some, there were a couple down doing some gardening at the end of their driveway. I can't even remember where I was. And the woman came flying down the driveway yelling, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> I thought, who is this crazy lady and how does she know my name? And I guess someone ahead had, had told them that I was just behind so that, that they should run out and yell my name. And they did. That was pretty cool. There were a few people en route that were out there who knew what we were doing, but I guess being the first year and sort of the newest, it's it's going to take a little while till people recognize that that's what's going on. Um, but there were there were a, a good amount of people that when you told them what you were up to, they were excited. <laughs> they thought it was crazy and exciting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there was no shortage of people offering up support to to riders that came by and needed anything trail magic as they say yeah <laughs> again that makes it accessible right so yeah that's that's mm-hmm. fantastic so what, what other plans do you have this summer any other races planned oh boy um well i'm gonna do the bt 700 again <laughs> slowly <Yeah. laughs> take my time with that i've been thinking about shenandoah 100 it's coming up pretty soon i have nothing really um paid for yet um there is the Vermont Gravel Growler I'm going to go down and do probably the end of September or first week of October. Um, there's one more eight-hour coming up that I'd like to do. And then there's uh, fat bike season <laughs> on the horizon. And uh-huh. I, love to, I love to race my fat bike, so I'll be getting – I know it sounds weird to say that right now in August, but I am kind of looking forward to winter because I really love that. So I love fat biking. It's so hopefully, fun. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully there'll be a good full season of that coming up. But really for the rest of the summer, I'm just going to ride, ride, ride and have some enjoyable camping experiences and go see some more stuff. I I really do want to do some more weekends away. So maybe farther than Vermont. I'm not sure yet. I want to do Matt's route in Costa Rica in the Mm -hmm. the winter time. (laughs) That'll be fun. Yeah. But um, yeah, just ride, ride, ride. That's the rest of the summer and into the fall. That's odd. Yeah. That, that gravel grinder in Vermont, I would imagine that would be pretty punishing down there. I've heard the climbing around there is just bananas. Probably, but you know, it's it's 235 miles or 250 some odd miles. I can't remember how long, but it doesn't seem, if you do it over the course of maybe five days, it seems quite doable. And it's mostly just beautiful gravel and back roads. So not a, not a ton of trail and not a ton of sort of gnarly stuff. But then all the craft breweries along the way, that's sort of my goal <laughs> is to hit <laughs> as many breweries on the way as I can and, and sort of take in that Vermont culture, have a great trip with it. So awesome. if I can find a good week stretch of weather on the horizon, I'll just shoot down and do that for fun. But yeah, what do you I do? don't know. What do you do for a living? I'm a chef. Oh, very nice. Um, so you guys, do you guys like, do you guys swap recipes and stuff? Like. <laughs> We haven't yet, actually. I'm I'm also a registered holistic nutritionist. I don't think I've ever told Matt that. No, nope, <laughs> I, I did I not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to dabble with food in a healthy way. So right now I'm just cooking my brains out. But um, who knows what's on the horizon? I'm always looking for something else. I almost bought a food truck last week. So that almost happened. <laughs> I was supposed to open a cafe this summer, but that just didn't pan out. So I'm still looking for something. So awesome. We'll see. So then what do you what do you eat? 
what's your uh, what's your racing nutrition? Matt, oh, Matt knows I love talking boy. about this stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of a I'm a more of a do as I say, not as I do person. <laughs> but I try to eat really. Um, I'm close to plant based. I'd say I do eat a little bit of meat when it's sort of a, an ethical choice and and, and a sustainable choice. Um, I'm pretty green, I guess. You'd say anything real. I always say just eat real food. So that's yeah. what I eat. Um, as long as it's minimally processed, I do like a fine glass of wine or a craft beer kind of frequently. <laughs> but other than that, I just, I eat everything and anything as long as it's healthy and good for me. What's your, yeah. uh, what style of cooking do you, uh, do you employ? Oh, I think a hundred percent Mexican. Oh, nice. <laughs> I used to live down in South Texas, uh, for quite a while and I was cooking down there and I did a lot of my apprenticeship down there and I just learned to love anything southwestern mexican interior mexican so now it seems like anytime i cook it's going to have some mexican flair which is probably something i should branch out from but i love it <laughs> i don't know i think there's room for lots of that and yeah. so the it was going to be a taco truck right um well <laughs> <laughs> kind of there were going to maybe be some things like that <laughs> yeah you know what i really miss about ontario is uh chip trucks Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't have chip trucks out here. A long time ago, I worked on a chip truck. Did you? Like when I was a teenager. I bet your was skin amazing. was awesome. I bet you're just like <laughs> covered was, in grease. Oh, so shiny. <laughs> so beautifully shiny and greasy and oh, 100% beef fat. It was hand-cut fries. They were oh, beautiful, yeah. but ugh, <laughs> I don't think I could do it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know, Matt, did you want to talk a bit about your Costa Rica route? No, it's just... Um, because the last couple, last couple of winters, Tabby and I have been in Costa Rica, so just piecing together a route down there. Um, yeah, it's really pretty cool, like bikepacking terrain down there. And I mean, if people who want to escape the winter for a couple of weeks, it's a pretty, pretty great place to do it. I have so many questions for you. <laughs> I'll send you an email. I can't wait. Yes. You know what? I'll just hang up and I'll leave you guys. Just. Do it. <laughs> I think the I think the route sounds fantastic. It'll be exciting. Yeah. It's a tough. Is it a tough? A lot one of variety. Well? Like a challenging one. It's pretty tough. Yeah. yeah. I think Steve, you might have trouble with the heat down there. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, you just yeah. make do, right? You just slow down. You just have to go a bit slower. <laughs> Just go like five kilometers, jump in the ocean. Then yeah. Go another five kilometers. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> oh, that sounds blissful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, what about you, Matt? What are, what are you planning in the next little while here in the summer? Uh, nothing big for the rest of the summer. Um, we still have to, yeah, just putting the finishing touches on this extra loop that I'm doing and then um, just the normal kind of cycling here and there where I can and then try to figure out something for the winter because we can't uh we haven't spent a full winter in ontario in a long time and i'm not sure we can <laughs> oh you're not so traveling this year to... yeah if you yeah, get a we're hoping bike. To... yeah you have to get yeah. a fat bike no you gotta do it man it's so much fun <laughs> another too many bikes uh, n plus one <laughs> uh, you know what i do with my fat bike is i just turn it into uh that's my bike packing rig so i take the the, yeah. the 80 mil wheels off and i put on 27 fives on it yeah, Perfect. for sure. So you can kind of like, if you're careful and you, and you shop, you know, spend some time and find a bike, you know, you could get a, like a five inch tire bike and put 29 plus on it even. 
if you wanted yeah. to. It could be like your quiver killer, if you will. That's a fun rig for sure. Yeah. I'm so, my bikes are so old. I need to get I need a new bike. I need a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any do you get any support, Sarah? It sounds like you race a lot. Do you get support? Um I race for a great shop from Barry and nice. they're they're very supportive. What's that shop? For sure. That's that's the bike zone in Barry. And they are really good to me. They're a great group of guys. So we have a pretty good team, pretty big pretty big now we got a bunch of people and some young kids coming up so they're my uh, they're my go-to guys they're awesome help me out with anything that i need um in the winter time i ride a little bit i have a, a growler bike from the guys in rochester the growler performance bikes and i'm going to be racing that this winter again so they're they're sort of helping me out a little bit with that um and that that's all then there's me. <laughs> yeah. But really it's, it's all about the bike zone. So anything I need, I go to them and they're fantastic. That's good. It's good to have a, a place you can reliably go and yeah. 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 Get good, especially good service. Good service. I find is really tough to find. Good um, service and great help. And just sort of the family aspect of being a, a part of a team when you're out there as much as, as we are, it's nice to have people behind you. Yeah. For sure. Did you happen to listen to the podcast I did with Janie Hayes? No, uh, you should. But I should. Yeah, go, go go and check it out. It's really opened this door to uh, first. I want to get a lot more women's voices on here, so it was really important that we we talked because um, yeah. you know Janie talked a lot about you know gender issues in sport and and um, what's what's your experience with that? Do you do you have any um, as as a woman like especially you know you're fairly you know you seem fairly elite. You're very serious. You you race a lot and you train hard and uh, and uh, yeah, what's what? Do you, what's your lens on that? Well, my my angst is probably um, as with many women <laughs> in some of the races, especially in the states when there's prize money. We don't see it as much here in Ontario for sure because there's not often races with prize money. But I don't understand the the not equal payout. I mean, I I get that it's not as big a draw, and the sponsors maybe they're not looking as much at the women, but they should because the racing is incredible, but we put just as much time in and spend just as much on our training and our equipment, if not more. I mean, I never understand why a women's saddle costs more than a men's, but we get cremoli rails and they get carbon, but ours are still more expensive. I just don't understand that discrepancy. It's, it's, um, it shouldn't be there. I think there should be an equal payout for us because we're doing just as much work as anybody else. That's my only, my gripe, I guess. I'd have to say in Ontario, for sure, we've been treated pretty fairly. I mean, there's there's large women's um, categories now where there never used to be. And in some of the smaller races, I guess it's always just women's open. So it doesn't matter what age you are, you're going to be racing against the 20-year-olds or the 60-year-olds type of thing. Um, but it's getting, it's changing as more women get into the sport. Now we have you know, the 20 to 29 age category and the 30 to 39 and things are getting better that way. But it's, uh, we definitely need more women. We need more representation and, uh, more, just more girls on bikes having a good time, I do, guess. Do you have a thought as, to, oh, sorry, Matt, go ahead. You're going to say something. So the, the BT 700, the grand depart had about 65 riders start and there are only three women. Whoa. So that yeah. That is a, that is a big goal for me for next year is I'd like to get at least four, no more than that, <laughs> but that, I mean, that, that just shows you that we still have a long, long way to go for the bike packing. 
in Canada or like probably North America. Um, I mean, there's various reasons for that, but uh, so that's probably one of my big goals for 2020 is try to get that percentage a little better. So. Yeah. Well, we all have to work on that. Right. Yeah. I, I can see why the discrepancy is there for sure. And there's so many, there are many roadblocks to being a woman in a sport, especially a multi-day sport at any given time, a, a race that takes that long. There are a lot of um, things that women have to deal with that men don't necessarily have to go through. And that's a whole other topic and discussion, but it's, it, I can see how it's harder to get women interested right off the bat. But once they do it, they're hooked and they know. I mean, I was watching the Tour Divide this year and the Arizona Trail Race, the Colorado Trail Race, the big races. The women's representation is doubling with every year. It's it's pretty fantastic. Well, maybe not doubling, but it's getting more. Yes. And that's pretty great. It's just it takes um, other women learning and seeing that, that women are doing it and having a ball. And then they'll try it out. So it's just a matter of that. Just get Just get the word out and get them coming out and having fun. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, Janie and I talked a little bit about, about fear. I imagine there's a lot of fear. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Can you address that? Well, it takes a certain personality, I think, to, to, to think that you can sort of feel the fear, but face it anyway, to be cliche. But a lot of people just don't think they can or won't even try. Um, I can tell you the first time I went out on my own solo, I was absolutely beside myself, terrified, wondering what was going to happen. Am I going to make it? Am I going to have a technical issue? I'm a mechanical breakdown. Like what, what am I going to do? I, all of these problems run through my head and it took just doing it to see that I would be okay and I would get through it. And I think that's something that most women need to know. We're not really taught to go out and just do it. So we need to support each other in that. And, and maybe, maybe it takes doing fun Maybe it takes someone like me who wants to go out and do a fun weekend, getting more women out to do a fun weekend all together so that women can then see that it's okay to go do them alone. Um, it's hard to overcome those fears until you just do it. So it's a matter of, of getting that going. What was your biggest fear when you went out solo? Mm, bears and mountain lions. <laughs> I, um, probably just uh, navigation even, just not knowing where I was going. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I'm a little bit introverted and I'm kind of shy. And I thought if I have a problem or a mechanical breakdown that I can't fix myself, um, am I going to be brave enough to go and ask for help? Am I going to be strong enough to go and find my way to somewhere where I can ask for help? And uh, am I going to be okay if I don't get somewhere within a day? Can I camp out on my own and then fend off the bears? Like there's all these questions. And some people just snowball these, like myself, I snowball these problems in my head and to the point where I stop myself from wanting to go and actually do the thing. So it's it's kind of like, don't worry about the problem until it's there and then work through it one little bit at a time and you're going to be fine. You're going to find your way through and you're going to be okay. Just be smart. So it just takes knowing and doing. So we'll get more ladies out. We'll get them taking the plunge and then they'll know they can do it. <laughs> and you know, do you think that just comes obviously with experience? I mean, when, when you finished your first solo adventure, what was your mindset after where you're just like, what was I even worried about? Like, um, no, do you know what? I still worry, <laughs> but that's my personality. I'm a worrier. But, um, I think even after something shorter, like I did BT 700s spending just three days 
self-sufficient. I don't think I talked to anybody. I spent all of 15 minutes in a store and I just rode my bike for a couple of days. Just knowing you can be self-sufficient in the middle of nowhere, hypothetically, and get through it, that then you get more comfortable. So I think I came off this one feeling pretty confident that I could go and tackle another one. But it's when I go somewhere far, far away and really foreign that I get really freaked out. Mm. <laughs> but that's just my own silly brain. Um, I was in Scotland last spring tackling the HT550, and, and I did the same thing. In my mind, I'm building it up wondering, are the Scottish people even going to want to talk to me if I have a problem out here in the middle of the Highlands? And how am I going to get how am I going to get myself fixed when I don't even know what a, a British pound looks like? <laughs> Lots of silly worries. But then um, I think after those experiences, you learn that, that it's OK. No matter where you are, you're going to be fine. And, if you're and, smart. and fear, fear <laughs> is healthy. Really. Yeah. Fear is yeah. healthy. And I think it makes your decision making more uh, more focused and more acute. You know, and, and to say that, right. to say that I wasn't scared shitless on the first couple rides I did. It's like, I'm yeah. scared of bears too, man. Like it's, um, but until you go <laughs> out there and you realize that my, my theory is that bears aren't lurking around the woods, pulling humans out of their tents and devouring no. them. You know, there was actually a video on Instagram the other day and these Australians hiking in the Bow Valley, just in and around Canmore. And there's a full grown adult grizzly walking towards mm -hmm. them. And the guy's just like, hey, buddy, hey, we're just going to get by. If you can go around, that'd be great. And what did the bear do? It looked up and went, oh, I'm going to go around them. And it went around yeah. them. Right? They're, they're, not, they're not these monsters, I think, everyone. Obviously, there's situations when, yeah. you, you know, yeah. when they have babies and stuff. But I think, I, I think it's a bit irrational. The fear of bears is a little irrational with some people. Oh, for sure. Um, what about Tabby, Matt? Like, um, I know you're, you'd be speaking for her, but d does she experience any of these kind of uh, apprehensions when she goes out? Does she go out by herself sometimes? Or Yeah, I think, I mean, we've just done so much together um, that I think she, I mean, I know she's probably thinking more about trying to do a few more things solo, but I mean, we've spent so much time cycling around the world that now we don't really... I mean, a lot of like, you know, our parents and stuff would be scared. Oh, you're going to Sri Lanka. You're going to, you know, Cuba or, you know, Myanmar. Like what, you know, aren't you scared? That's the like the number one answer, question sometimes from people. But we're like, we're just out there riding our bicycles. And, you know, if you go through this small little village, there's no one waiting around the corner to like rob you or, or, do, <laughs> or do something with you, you know, um, for the most part, we've like we've had, I mean, thousands of thousands of kilometers around the world, and we've maybe only had a like a handful of kind of like sketchy situations. Um, so with a, with each passing trip, we get less and less worried about um, being worried out there. Um, people who aren't with us are more worried for us, and we're worried about our own safety that way. So I think just from traveling so much we've really now kind of gotten over any of those kind of concerns that yeah. way it would seem to me that the world is actually a pretty safe place you know yeah i think in, i mean our general, biggest like, yeah yeah we always say we have the most troubles when we go to like a really really big tourist place where there are people who are ready to kind of maybe prey on the tourists yeah. <laughs> you know pockets and things like that but when we're in the middle of nowhere 
you know, in some like village in Laos or something. It's just people going around there trying to like their daily lives and trying to do what they do every day. And um, so that's usually when we feel the most safe of, of anywhere. Yeah. And probably um, more often than not, they extend a hand to you. Well, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. Do you, here, do you <laughs> no, want yeah. to eat? Do you need something to drink? Like that's, I think that's. Yeah. And you're doing, you're doing something different. You're not just showing up in a bus and taking photos and, and doing what everyone else is doing. So yeah, um, I really think if more people could get that, like kind of that idea in their heads, it would be a lot more comfortable kind of um, exposing themselves more. Cause when you are so, traveling on a bicycle, you really are exposed like every day, 24 seven out there. But um, in some ways I think that almost makes you the most safe because you're, uh, you know, you're just, Applying different kind of going to different areas that aren't so heavily trodden by, by the, on the tourist path that, um, for the most part, you're spending 90% of your time just out in the open. And I think in my experience, that's the safest you can probably be. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> have you, have you traveled, uh, like uh, other continents, Sarah and ridden bikes? I have, I've done, um, some multi-day adventure racing, mostly South America. Um, a few things over in Europe, but um, it's like Matt says, I, I wholeheartedly believe that if you've come trekking out of the mountain or riding your bike out of the mountain into a tiny town, they're not expecting you. They don't, they don't want to rob you. They're just going about their daily business and people can generally be so pleasant and helpful. I mean, even if there's a language barrier, it's, it seems that it's just human nature they're interested in what you're doing and they find it, they find you fascinating, which is always sort of fun. And I find them fascinating. So yeah, there's should be no reason to be fearful, even though we are still sometimes a little bit intimidated <laughs> by <laughs> international travel. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think, I think seeing the world by, by bicycle or even hiking a beautiful trail in another country, that's gotta be the way to go two feet or two wheels. It's the way you're going to see the world and just get out there and just do it. So what do you have to say to all the women out there who are thinking about doing the BT 700 next year? Oh, they have to go. They really have to go. It's like, it's kind of a no brainer. And it's so funny. I'm surprised that I didn't have more. I had a good amount of friends on bikes that were out there doing it. And a lot of people rode out with us from the start. And next year I say to them all, you have to just complete, just do the whole thing. It's totally worth it. It's, it's fantastic. I know some people that, that have ridden all their lives and they did the BT 700, some friends of mine afterwards. And even they, after all of their experiences said that the few days they were out there was life changing. So, you know, every little tour gives you something else that you learn about yourself as a person. And I find that so moving when I hear someone else recant their experience of the trail, even if it was just three, four days and how much it changed them and the things they learned about themselves in that small amount of time, I think, why doesn't everybody do it? I mean, it really gives you some insight into your own brain and how could it not when you're pedaling for 16 hours a day and just sort of looking at things and thinking about life, it really gives you some, some inside knowledge to your own self and it's, they, they have to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think it just slows everything down a little bit, right? Like oh, completely. You unplug and for the most part, you're kind of removed from the, the hustle bustle and, and it's, uh, it's, it, it's comforting actually. It's, it's strangely comforting to be kind of alone and by yourself oh. and there's no one bugging <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Just, just ride. Can I, can I just add something to that? <laughs> yeah. 
so I had never, I'd never really been part of like a grand depart kind of event before. And I could tell you that, I mean, Sarah, I'll agree. Like the atmosphere is, I mean, I totally get it now. Like the stories, the, the Sunday morning, like of the grand depart was just, it was unbelievable. Like yeah. people were like in the most incredible spirits um like i didn't do the full ride because i stayed back to just uh, welcome riders in things like that but i rode out with people in that morning and oh i can't believe how many people were just enjoying being alive on their bicycle it was it, i mean i i got home that day and i was just like that was like the greatest few hours just of my life vibrating <laughs> right like just yeah, it was vibrating awesome. yeah that's yeah. sweet so Everybody if anyone's thinking <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of people do the route, like not part of the Grand Depart, but I would, I mean, I just, I, I can't stress how much awesome, how awesome it is. Like that whole, that whole like atmosphere there when there's a bunch of other riders going out there as well. When I did the Lost Elephant, I did an ITT of it and that was the thing I missed. I was like, yeah, you know, I just kind of looked at my watch and, or my phone. I'm like, okay, it's nine. Here yeah. I go. And then when I finished at like quarter after midnight, you know, I actually shouted super loud. I was riding through this residential area. I was like, yes, because I wanted to finish it because it was so tough. And then I got to the finish. I'm like, and hey, well, there, right? I'm just going to go home. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I totally miss the Grand Depart vibe because it's, it's, you get to rub elbows with all these different people and people who are like crazy elite and people who are, you know, like older riders who it's their first race and, and everyone's energy is exactly the same. It's just nervous, kind of stoked. Yeah, it's awesome. So happy for you, Matt. That's fantastic. And you too, Sarah. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty special so, event. <laughs> yeah. So all the ladies out there who are listening, please, yeah, just go. Have just go and it. do it. Just go. Yeah, just do go it. Go and do it. And, I'll ride with them if they want to. We'll <laughs> go together. <laughs> and then you know what? You're going to tell me how people can find you online, Sarah. And then, so anyone listening, if you want to know more about that experience, maybe they could reach out to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell folks what, how they can get a hold of you. Um, without giving away my email or no, my phone number, <laughs> you can find me. At, um, I do have a public Instagram and it's at SariCycles, S-E-R-R-I-C-Y-C-L-E-S. Um, you can always message me through there. That might be the best way to do it or call me up on Facebook and send me a private message. Sarah Kaler, C-A-Y-L-O-R. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always open to talking. I actually would like to, through the winter, I'd love to do a couple sort of workshops or at least chats about bikepacking experiences and just maybe hopefully get some women involved and interested. What, what do I bring? What are my concerns? What, what do I pack? How long is it going to take me? Stuff like that. And I'd like to to get some people interested that may think they want to do it, but haven't figured out how to take the leap yet. And we'll get them all ready for the grand depart in July for the next one. So, (laughs) yeah, I would say that for anyone that I've met in this community is that everyone is so personable and so uh, accessible that, you know, any any one of us would, would be more than happy to like respond to a message from someone who's curious about anything just Absolutely. just to help yeah. grow the sport you know for sure yeah yeah matt at rocket fuel <laughs> rocket fuel always <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh bt700.ca for anyone who wants to check out the route yeah what's it like uh 295 days or 200 and <laughs> 
and counting. <laughs> Start the training now. No. Yeah. I didn't want to take too much time, too much of your time because I know it's late for you guys. So I appreciate uh, the time. I could talk forever, but thank you for talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do another one. So when's your next? When's your next race, Sarah? Next race? You mean of the big variety? Yeah, <laughs> whatever. variety. Yeah, if I you want to talk of, again after after another race, like feel free to to yeah, reach out well, and. Uh, you know, it's um, I think about doing the Stagecoach Four Hundred this February in California. Yeah. Um, so that might be fun to talk about later, <laughs> and I'm going to be gearing up for hopefully the Tour Divide this coming year again. So, that's a long way away, but. It it's isn't. Something. It isn't, man. It's it's just going to be power to be here, and you'll be quickly. in band. I'm I'm trying. I'm I'm kind of maybe thinking 2021. I might like to try it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just I have a young family. It makes it kind of difficult to to take a month. You know, off. I think the the Colorado Trail race would be a nice shorter one. I'm pretty I'm pretty interested in that because that's a bit more of my bag. I'm a bit more of yeah. a trail rider, really, and yeah. uh, that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be a fun that'd one. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. That would be. And even uh, I'm dying to get out and see the Oregon Timber Trail, Mm -hmm. even just chunks, just spend a few days out there not maybe not do the whole thing, but just do some chunks of it. That would be beautiful. Yeah. There's so many, there's so much good riding around here. There's way too much good riding. Yeah. (laughs) Just 365 days a year. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, have you ever thought of doing a winter ultra, like doing the um, fat bike worlds or something like that? (laughs) No, not, you know what? It's funny. I've, just like I said, I would never 24 hour race. And then I did. And now I'm hooked. I always said that I would never do the, I did a bike. And just this winter I started thinking, you know, I could do the short one. Yeah. Just see what it's like. <laughs> so maybe the 300, I don't know. I just get co- I get cold so easily. Mm. Yeah. You definitely <laughs> so have to bring be. lots of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would take some serious planning and, uh, and, uh, a lot of warm clothes for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool guys. Well, I think I'll let you go. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your time. I and mean, thank you. you for talking, not thank you for letting us go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of why I inspire. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> no, I appreciate the time. And, um, uh, reach out to me again, Sarah, when you, if you want to talk about more stuff, cause I'm always looking for, for different topics and, and uh, yeah. especially when it comes to women in sport, we really want to start getting more women's voices and more encouragement, and more empowerment uh, yeah. spread around, so get people cool. out there. And then Matt, we want to, I want to talk about your Costa Rica route when that comes yeah. around, when we get some well, time. Well, maybe for if that. Sarah does it, there we go. Yeah, there I, yeah. you go. We're looking at January for that. Yeah. yeah. I have a big birthday this year and I need some weeks away in the sunshine. So I thought January, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, that was kind of my motivation for the Tour Divide too, because I turned fifty in twenty twenty one, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? What's that? I think my phone is about to die, so I'm sorry if I cut off. Okay, (laughs) no, no, it's okay. Um, Yeah. So anyway, thanks for your time, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Steve. You're doing an awesome job. Oh, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, thanks. Talk to you again. Okay, ciao. Bye. See you guys. towards BC and you're like
okay, British Columbia it is, you know? Or it's Quebec. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like I was definitely drawn to BC. Um yeah, big time. I went I went to a snowboard camp in uh like eighty nine in Whistler. And uh like dude, Craig Kelly scratched Camp camps? Uh yeah. Yeah. I uh, I went there. Did you? Too. Yeah. yeah. Craig, Sorry, Craig Kelly snaked me in the half pipe. <laughs> I went to drop and he snaked me and it's like I don't mind, man. Look at this guy. I just remember going down the flat bottom and just watching him ride in front of me. And I was like, man, that was crazy. It's insane what those guys do, man. Even then, that was insane. Even then, yeah, going so big. Like, anyway. Yeah, that was like a whole other life, man. (laughs) It's so long ago. Kind of feel you there. Yeah. So uh, what's your your history with uh, bikepacking? Um. It's kind of short Pretty in new. a way. Yeah, like uh, I I lived in Calgary for a few years. Oh, okay. And worked at a shop called Bike Bike. Okay. They're just kind of downtown Calgary there. And I think they're the, they seem to be the, the lead, we'll say, on kind of ev- using your bike as like a commuter, um, just kind of. I want to say anti-spandex in a way. <laughs> yeah. um, we always had a joke like about, you know, there's nothing with suspension in the shop, you know? So it was definitely not the mountain bike shop. It was the commuter cargo bike, um, a little bit of fixed gear stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then, then the touring bike kind of thing. So I had met a, another guy working there and he knew my, background of snowboarding and he's an avid snowboarder himself so uh he just randomly messaged me from revelstoke one day after having a conversation with some guys that rode to argentina yeah and he's like hey man you want to go for a bike ride to chile and and do some snowboarding i was like sure i got nothing better (laughs) nice (laughs) so uh yeah we set the date for to leave in uh, october i forget what year but uh yeah, long story short there, I couldn't make the October cutoff. So I had to send him off by himself. And I just said, wherever you are in a year, I'll come meet you. Yeah. So that ended up being in the, the south of Nicaragua. And then from there, it was a year and a half of getting lost and having fun. Right on. So right on. that was my intro to pretty much everything. Like, bike packing or bike touring whichever way you want to see it and uh for me like even camping a lot like i had never grown up camping um so yeah just like kind of before going there i i just wanted to be able to join his pace right so i didn't want to feel like a burden in a way so i just practiced you know i just made sure i knew how to set up my tent and take it down quick um just knowing like kind of the ins and outs of my gear a little bit. So, you know, more just packing up in the morning, you want to be efficient and I just didn't want to hold them up there. So, right. I kind of tried to practice that a bit, but yeah, you got to hone your, hone your craft, right? Yeah. I think it comes down to that. And I mean, throughout that whole year and a half anyways, or whatever it was like, you're still constantly doing that. But yeah, I just, like I said, my, my main goal showing up there was to uh, not kind of uh, interfere with the process I guess he had maybe going. So Yeah, you would have been well-seasoned after a year. 
yeah, for sure. Like, you know, yeah, I went from like four panniers, like the, the classic like Ortlieb setup in a way, like the, the two front ones, the two rears, um, the, the one on the handlebars. Yeah. Uh, and then by the end of it, I'd, well, and I guess I had a frame bag too, but by the end of it, I took the, the rear panniers, put those on the front, uh, added a seat bag, um, and then still have my front rack there, which fit my tent on the top and kept the Ortley handlebar unit. So it's kind of a nice mix between like a bike pack and a bike touring setup. Um, I think... <laughs> The, the damning thing of Instagram is that you see all these setups and you're constantly like, oh, I need to slim <laughs> mine down. I need to slim mine down. One, aesthetically, it looks cool. Um, but you kind of can forget sometimes like, okay, that's like a two-week setup or like Oh, month, for sure. You know? Yeah. And then you're <laughs> gone for like an undetermined amount of time and you're like trying to run like a race setup basically. <laughs> So. Yeah, you're right. And you, you see the stuff on Instagram and their kits are so tiny and yeah, yeah. but you forget that guy's going to race for three days and he's not going to sleep. Right. Exactly. So you, you, you pack, you, yeah, you just pack appropriately. Right. If you're going to go for a weekend, you need to carry beer, need to carry, you know, like t way more stuff. So yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So uh, like I initially had left and when I kind of was packing, I was like, oh yeah, I need it doesn't really matter whether you go for like a weekend or two years. You almost, you almost need the same stuff. Pretty much. Like the only extra stuff you add is for those, those different climates you're going to pass through. Right. Type thing. Yeah. It just Other depends how that. much you want to suffer. I mean, not suffer, but it depends how yeah, comfortable well, you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we had some art supplies cause along that we would paint murals and like oh, yeah. in trade for staying places oh, or cool. uh for food so the guy that i was with is i would say definitely an artist and then i was kind of the the paint by numbers kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> so i like to play around with art but i don't uh bike riding is definitely my my first and then when i have time i'll mess around with some art so that's yeah, cool we had a, a good mix of stuff at the end so how long did you travel for? Uh, it's like basically like a year and a half. So nice. I got the south of Nicaragua to Lima, Peru. Um, so, I mean, most people would go a lot further in that time, but we spent like eight months alone in Colombia. That place is amazing. I uh, I think I found uh, definitely a part of my heart living there. So cool. <laughs> that, that place, uh, I'll be going back for sure. Nice. Um, yeah, or even had to pay a fine to get out of there because you can only be there for six months in a year legally. Yeah. Uh, so it cost us like a couple hundred bucks Canadian to, to leave when the time came. But yeah. It's all worth it. It is what it is. <laughs> and it's probably, it was probably well worth it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's got enough stories yeah. just in Colombia to write a book. You it's, know? <laughs> it's priceless, priceless stuff. Yeah. Totally. So, um, and then coming back to Canada. Um, did you continue touring or uh, bikepacking? Um, part of my reason that I didn't, I, I bailed in Lima is because I was having the itch to come back and, and race enduro mountain bike. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I grew up like, uh, 
just in the free ride scene that was big then uh you know freestyle and free ride have always been my background in in the bike um so yeah just when i was gone i kept on finding myself almost doing less touring well obviously i was still touring but i was i was always punching on the pedals always like timing myself up climbs just like i'm just super competitive with myself right um so i yeah and then on my birthday my 30th birthday in uh cusco uh, i did a bike race and i was like all right this is this is what i want to be doing i just like that that the energy to it is it's fun it's a little bit nervous but yeah so like I said, enduro is what I kind of had in my head. It was like I, was, I think because I was around so much good potential mountain biking all the time. Um, that was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Uh, and then when I came back, I, I just had my touring bike, um, which is a, you know, I can run two point one twenty nine er on it. Uh, had drop bars and stuff on it still and just kind of like started ripping a lot of rail trail and just exploring the area around where I live. So then I was kind of like, Oh, maybe, maybe this is more my thing. And I, I didn't know, like I had no idea about the ultra world or stuff like that. And I started seeing more of that via Instagram. And then I was like, Oh, this is like, this is a thing. Like, sweet i can get my racing fix and like the exploring fix in one so i kind of like rerouted myself and started down the the path of pursuing longer rides and more uh, and then gravel i was like i didn't know that was a thing so just kind of merged right into that that scene i guess um and just kind of been chasing that that uh idea ever since until now so it's cool there's so many facets to cycling you you could still ride enduro right i'm sure you have another bike right oh yeah you know it's it's um it's just like another offshoot i when i tell people about it sometimes especially especially younger people they're they're like oh it sounds pretty boring and i don't know i think it depends what stage of life you're you're at and kind of what what you're looking to gain out of the experience totally i mean it's you're, I'm sure you get the question of like, oh, what do you think about all that time? You know, and oh my God. <laughs> some of the time you're, you know, you guys, you could say you hit that flow state. Yeah. People referred to it as, um, and it, you know, 20 kilometers goes by and you're like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, other times you're thinking like, I don't know, sometimes I practice Spanish in my head. Like I'll convert just to keep a little bit more on top of of that um you got the itch to race and uh you you saw that endurance racing gave you that that outlet for not only mountain biking but for camping and pushing your limits yeah and i think um the other side to it was like what we had touched on before is kind of taking for granted of where you Mm. lived when you were younger yeah um and so riding a bike in this new style um, I was finding rail trail and like, I found a couple lakes around that I was like, where am I? You know? <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, which is, is really cool. And so it, 
it almost became before like I even had entered any races, it became a thing of going further and faster to see more. Right. Because um, I don't have a car, so I can't, like, I mean, I could borrow one, but anyways, I don't have a car, so it's just, I just would ride as far as I could and just kind of hit a turnaround point and just like, I yo-yo everything. I never even made loops. I just yo-yoed stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of still how I, I I'll very loosely use the term train today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, you don't have a coach? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> I know, man. I'm just slacking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So it's uh, part of the itch, too, is just to see more cool stuff. And that just comes from uh, being able to go further. And that generally involves being able to go faster so or getting up at silly, silly hours. So, so is a BT700 your first race, official race? Like, uh, sorry, um, bike packing endurance race? Yeah, for sure. Wow, awesome. Um, yeah, the only other stuff I've done are kind of like what I, you know, just day events. So, like, you know, anywhere from 80 or 70K, we'll say, to like 160 type thing. Yeah. Uh, that kind of seems to be the general in the gravel world. And I find that fun. Uh, it's definitely starting to be more race like road, which is also okay um you know but where my heart lies is definitely that multi-day thing uh i kind of find that like my body turns on more mm -hmm. so after like a couple hours mm -hmm. and then it's just like a, a diesel engine yeah. and it just will go and go so i think the multi-day or yeah thing just suits me more so than than the 160k sprint but yeah, I'll, I'm down to do either, but definitely after this season, looking at doing more multi-day stuff in the future and kind of cutting some of that day stuff out. Cool. Yeah. So um, your training regimen is yo-yoing everything. <laughs> what else did you do to, pre yeah. to prepare for uh, that race? Uh, not much, you know, just I'm uh, pretty finicky about my bike and that's... More so than my body, in a way. Uh, but, you know, just having fresh brake pads, fresh tires, um, kind of anything that you can do to cut out a mechanical. Uh, that's, like, my, I wouldn't say my worst fear, but because I can deal with it. But it's just something I don't want to have happen. Yeah, for sure. So I'm pretty meticulous about the bike and uh, keeping that, like, super fresh, even if it's replacing stuff before it needs to be. Um but as far as like anything else is just like riding, um, I commute and I tow my dog in a trailer. So there's some pretty good base miles, you know, oh, for sure. uh, there's a hundred K a week right there, whether you want it or not. Um, so that's good. And then, yeah, just, I do a lot of longer rides. Like I do this thing that I've just kind of dubbed it as send it Sunday because I have Sundays off. So I'll just, get up early on a Sunday and go usually do at least like 200 K, um, you know, anywhere from like two to four, it seems. So in that sense, yeah, I was kind of, I'm ready. Um, and looking at people like Jay Peterberry, really taking a note from him and seeing that he's on like a training program and noticing him say, you know, I used to ride a lot more, like a lot, like longer rides, but now it's just like structured two hour rides. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking more about that, but 
I still like, like I like exploring and that's the main reason that I'm kind of into it. So yeah, I just kind of keep doing those rides. Maybe just don't push it like a super high intensity for the whole ride. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an enjoyable. I find doing those two, 300 jumps. Yeah. I think doing the high intensity stuff, which, uh, I don't want to say I lack it. Uh, but, uh, I think that just makes you stronger. I mean, if you already have a, a really good aerobic base, which if you're riding like 500 K a month, that's, that's amazing base. And then to add on, you know, the high intensity stuff, high intensity climbing and that kind of thing. I think, I mean, that's barely what I do. It's like, I used to commute a lot and now, you know, I try to get in at least one long ride, uh, uh, a week, one long one. And then my second ride is usually just a single speed trail rip like just ripping around on my local trails, right? For a couple hours. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel pretty, just like you, right? You probably just feel ready for it, you know? Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, anything I've, over 200K, I definitely tell people, it's definitely uh, a mental thing after after 200K. If you can sit on the bike for 200, you can sit on it for however long you need. Uh, it's just that mental thing. So some people get lonely some people um just kind of find that negative space and they can't leave it or tune it out so i think that's what tends to shut people down more so than their physical ability so it's just staying like i can do this and almost not taking no for an answer but you know still respecting your body but just know that it can go through way more than what you think it can yeah, I I kept I always tell myself just keep moving forward. It doesn't like so I you tend to beat yourself up if you have to walk something sometimes, you know? You're just like, uh, I don't know, but it's just like it's the long game, man. It's just like as yeah. long as you're moving in a, in the forward direction, it doesn't matter really how fast you're going. Walking at like 4 or 3 or 4k an hour, which may be faster exactly. than you can pedal something anyway if you're climbing up the side of a pass, right? And that's what you have to be aware of, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I mean, I think uh, everybody on that note can take like a hit from, from Lael, you know, just don't stop moving. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure she's not the only one running that program. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the key. Like you say, sometimes you can push faster than you can walk. And it's just um, yeah, shutting out that ego, you know, yeah. and just being like, okay, I need to be efficient on this. I don't need to pump my ego up here. So nobody cares if you wrote it or ran it or whatever. Um, and there's like a lot of stuff like creek crossings or muddy zones that I'll get off and like trudge through rather than clog my bike up. Yeah. And then again, have a mechanical, right? Yeah. So I think it's just use your head, use common sense, um, and be nice to your equipment and it's going to treat you, treat you nice back. So, yeah, I said that a few times on the lost elephant where, uh, Cause there's some, there's some, it was a gnarly route and some of the, some of the descents, especially down in the panorama resort were steep and stuff that ordinarily I could probably ride, um, but fully yeah. loaded. And I would tell myself even early on, I had a bit of a, whoa, kind of moment on, on some gnarly trail. And I just said out loud, I said, take it easy, man. It's like, <laughs> that just take it easy. It's like, you don't have to ride this. Like all you want to do is get down it. And there's no exactly. one, no one around, and your bike weighs like 50 pounds. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> just, yeah. just walk. Yeah. 
So, yeah, no, um, it can uh, can be easy one to forget sometimes, but yeah. no, it's good to be humble and uh, get the job done and not be out having to take a helicopter out of there. Or yeah, something silly. Yeah. So, so tell me about the morning off when you uh, you're lining up to start the BT. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, I rode out there, so it was like kind of an hour warm up nice. to get to get there. Just kind of took it easy on the way there. And then it was really cool showing up and like there's all these people. And I knew that like, the start list was pretty big. Um, but I mean, it's like, it's so hard to say like who's actually going to show up from that. Yeah. Uh, the other cool part to lining up there was seeing how many lightweight setups there was, which is really cool. I thought like there was just going to be so many people with like everything in the kitchen sink. <laughs> Um, so it was really cool to see other people that were like gonna go for it so i was i was stoked on that like i kind of thought i might be the only goofball <laughs> trying to trying to go fast so i was happy that i wasn't and uh it was it was a good kind of roll out there yeah um, it rolls out uh, like out of the parking lot and kind of right into this rail trail right away so it kind of it backed up a little bit, but everybody's just like chatting, having a good time. And yeah, there's no, it's a multi-day thing. There's no, there's no point in having a, a cross race start. So people tend to get caught up in it though, right? Did anyone get, did you, was there a group at the front that just kind of, kind of took off or not really? Um, I think people that just foresaw the bottleneck uh, uh, and didn't really want to have their flow kind of messed up. Yeah. Uh, like there is, uh, forgetting one guy's name was Bob and I forget the other gentleman, but he, they had like done divide and stuff like that. And they were, they were pretty kitted out in the right way. Um, so I, they took off, um, and I kind of held back and stopped and pretty much everybody went by me and hung out in this one spot for a minute and just kind of, it's like, all right, this is going to be a sweet day. And then turned some tunes on and, nice. and got to it and kind of as I was going past people would just say hey and I knew a bunch of other people that were there from that were either customers at the shop or just you know knew them from life and so I was kind of giving some hey what's ups and have fun and just kind of uh, worked my way back at my own pace so which is nice I, any like whether it be dirt bike racing or go-kart racing I kind of always started races like that just hanging out at the back and then yeah. um i guess it's like dangling that carrot in a way but it just totally lets me be calm um breathe and and ride my own kind of kind of ra ramp up into it right like just kind of start to yeah, get the totally. engine warmed up and then just kind of ramp up yeah for sure exactly so yeah that um that was good and then before i knew it i was with uh, a couple guys up near the front and we were just chatting having a good time um yeah just enjoying the sights so how far did you go day one uh did you sleep actually no i right, didn't right, 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 yeah. so i can't like so coming to the first night we were kind of near me like a little town called meford okay um, and just as we left the Tim Hortons in Meaford, 
I was with two guys and then Bob and the other guy he was with, we all kind of met up and we just, it was maybe midnight then, somewhere around there. We all rode until about 3.30 in the morning together and I was still feeling good and, and keeping just my comfortable pace is must, I don't know, somewhere around like 27 K an hour. Oh, that's pretty so. fast, dude. It's, it's pretty flat. Uh, right? Is it right until about that area? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. After, after that town that we kind of all met up in, it starts to get like, once you, we go South for a bit and that starts to get into some climbing and stuff like that. So a lot of my night, and well, early morning, I guess at that point, uh, was kind of going through some single track stuff and starting to get into some hike a bike. So, which was pretty interesting there. I'm paying attention. I'm just looking at the track leaders site. I kind of looking at the map, trying to find these towns. So, um, the, the Meaford is right by Owen sound. Owen sound would probably be a easier one to find. I found Port Elgin. So Port Elgin, and then so go a little bit more like northeast of Port Elgin, and that's where you'll find Owen Sound. Okay. Oh, I found Southampton. Yeah. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna ruin the conversation this way. No, no, it's but all I, good. But yeah, I do see like as soon as you pass um kind of so that, that it, area, start going north and you're going into looks like you're going into the park. There's like a park. Yeah, exactly. And then you can maybe see on the map there. So once you kind of go through Southampton and stuff, there's like a V shape on the map. Yeah. Like a U. Yeah. And that's 115K. So at the top. Oh, okay. At the top of that U is Meaford. Oh, okay. And then you go down and then you come back up and it's just shy an area called Collingwood. Okay. Um, so in that 115K is where you get most of the elevation on the route it seemed um and a lot of the climbing uh it's just that the geography of that area is yeah. is nice and hilly cool compared to the other flat flat zones so yeah so by like three thirty four in the morning i was kind of alone and other guys were talking about sleeping and I just didn't feel I needed to, so I put my music back in and just kind of soldiered away, I guess. And then it uh, it became daytime again. <laughs> Beautiful, I love that uh, feeling, man. Riding into the daytime, it's just so wonderful. yeah. I'd never, I'd never had that. I've never spent uh, like the longest I've spent on the bike consistently was maybe in the twenty hour ish range. So. Yeah, this was like, it was a whole new experience of like, not knowing if I need to sleep or what, it was just a total experiment. Uh, but I was pretty confident in that, like I could ride for a long time. And I had like a little sleeping pad with me and an SOS bivy uh, and a few extra layers. So I was ready. Yeah. I could have pulled over and slept for the few hours. And actually when I, I pre-rode 550K of that course, like early season, and I slept in a Tim Hortons in that little <laughs> town of Meaford uh, for about three hours. So the ladies were like, "Oh yeah, you can you can hang out here for a while." 
24 hour so, like a 24 hour one it was a 24 oh, hour man, one that's awesome and it, i rolled up there at like again at like one midnight or one in the morning and kind of put my head down for 10 minutes at that point and then when i was getting up to leave she's like oh you can stay and i was like oh perfect because it was really windy and rainy for that pre-ride kind of thing so yeah. and that's why i cut it short because i just didn't need to deal with that but yeah yeah, so for this time, I had an idea of like, okay, if I'm going to sleep, I'm probably going to sleep in Meaford at that Tim Hortons. Um, but once we were there, I was I didn't really feel the need to. So like I said, on I went. Um, and I never was really, I was kind of just watching my, my Wahoo for turns, but and oh, yeah. look, just, look, just looking around and taking in the sights. I didn't bring a camera with me, which... Um, I, that just wasn't my idea for this this time. I would go ride it again and and do the photos that that it uh, kind of deserves in a way. There's a lot of beautiful zones yeah. along that route. Awesome. Um, but this time was just kind of a like an experiment to see how fast I could kind of do it and if I need to sleep. So um, yeah, the the next day was I want to say a bit of a blur, but I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't name. <laughs> name necessarily like little towns that I went through or anything like that uh and it was nice the only time like I didn't have to stop a lot uh only had to stop and and get water but I brought like some hammer um those little fizzy tabs which are nice so I was kind of running on those and I brought these energy balls like homemade energy balls that just like you know chocolate and maple syrup and honey and oats and a bunch of different seeds. That's all you need, man. Yeah, I'd made like 30 of like, they're like golf ball size. So yeah. I had like 30 of those with me. <laughs> that's awesome. And in that's your frame bag, I, like just pulling around in your frame yeah, bag? <laughs> yeah, just in a Ziploc bag. That's awesome. And so I was just eating those and, and drinking what I had to drink. And that kept me going, I'd say, for the f- first 30 hours. And then at one point I found this little diner and had some, eggs and uh, a hamburger and some fries <laughs> nice <laughs> so you know just kind of dove in there and then got back out there and was like okay it's time to time to finish this cool so. man it's for tim horton should be everywhere man that's my favorite stop if i can find a timmy's on <sighs> one of these things it's like because i always double down i always get like two medium triple triples right yeah. Like yeah, with tons and tons of cream, like super calorie dense. I just want to just give me the cream. Actually, I don't need the coffee. I'll just drink. The I, <laughs> actually, see, I, I never known things like that. And then uh, again, thanks to to Lail. Did you see that picture on Instagram? She's I saw like the chugging picture. half and half. <laughs> and I definitely had like I was in shock for a minute. I messaged a few people and passed oh, that yeah. that picture around because so I was like, what, like. Yeah, I would have. I would have tried to find whipping cream. I would have drank whipping cream for sure because that's like thirty three percent fat. There's that. Yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> it'd be so good. But uh, yes, the, the Tim Hortons. I used to be more of a fan of it, but I find I get it gives me some gut rot. Oh, the coffee, like the yeah, the coffee. Um, even if I'm like snacking on like you know donuts or. Even the breakfast sandwiches and stuff, I don't know what it is, man. Kind of greasy. But I just kind of get this, like, 
yeah, not pleasant feeling in my, my stomach. You probably don't um, eat that. I don't imagine you eat like that very often, right? No. So your body's probably just I mean, like, I'm, what are you doing putting this inside me? Well, <laughs> it's not all it's bad. It's funny because I am definitely guilty of probably consuming a couple donuts a day from there. So nice. um, the sugar monster inside me just <laughs> craves them. It's a powerful so I, beast. It is. It is. So I I let it have what it needs and that side of things, but I don't ever eat like the food and stuff from there. And I have in, in the past and some, some of those, uh, you know, exploring rides and it just doesn't go well. So that's why it's kind of changed for this, for the butter tart was just to make those energy balls and to have the, the liquids. Cause I knew from a little bit of experimentation that, that worked for me and yeah this time i had um yeah no no gut rot and you know you don't get that constipation uh, I find yeah. that you get with gels and just yeah. eating all that shitty yeah. food yeah so because that can be a huge a huge problem on the bike if you know you you know you feel like you have to go but you can't and it, it can really just put you into a bad space so your whole body's out of balance so it's, it's about keeping that balance somehow. I think eating the, I don't bring any gels. I don't bring any of that. The only manufactured thing I bring are, are fizzy tablets, like noon tablets. That's my jam. Like I just, yeah. especially for me, I, I rarely drink just water that's not treated with some sort of electrolyte because I'm a cramping Same. guy. So I, if I'm getting hydrated, I might as well add minerals. And it's funny you mentioned the maple syrup is uh, I carry about 200 milliliters of maple syrup. We're so Canadian. <laughs> and uh, when I get the, you know, you get kind of the shakes, like, you know, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the glycogen yeah. low, just like a tablespoon of that out of that bottle and you just savor it. And it's so good. It's so yummy. And, uh, and it's full of potassium. So it's really good for your, uh, for your cramping. I don't even know how I forgot because I had uh, like probably about 25 of them is those, um, untapped the maple syrup packets oh what uh, really like little pouches yeah they're, yeah, they're oh. like they're produced in canada i mean uh our you know the the king of gravel ted king himself there has his, his brand um but this is a brand that's made in canada uh and i i, I swear by those those so those are actually the other key part of that equation to to my fueling was was like having i think around 25 of those you know what it's just four left when i finished yeah it's just it's good super low refined uh food man it's tree blood it's just it's reduced tree blood and it's just full of really good stuff and it tastes awesome like i don't know and I don't think it's, I'm terrible with nutrition stuff, but I don't think the maple syrup spikes your glycogen. Maybe you're, a, you're, uh, yeah, it has a low glycemic index. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I think honey is like the best, right? Because it's just oh. straight out of the, straight out of the hive, right? And generally it's like, especially if it's unprocessed or unpasteurized. And then the next one up, I mean, this is kind of from like a keto uh perspective i think honey for your sweeteners honey maple syrup um and then that's pretty much it because you don't eat sugar even cane sugar like stuff like that but i find those two really good yeah you don't really get the spike and it just feeds you a little bit and uh it helps with the wonders yeah wonders those things whole foods man i'm all about the whole foods yeah yeah totally 
And so I, I, I will hit a town and eat Timmy's like no one's business. Like, cause, <laughs> cause there's still something about, about just taking like 10 or 15 minutes and just eating like something. <laughs> I don't know. It's comforting, right? It just gives you a mental well, boost. And I, I think that, um, kind of goes understated sometimes. So just taking those 10 minutes and actually eating food. Yeah. Um, it does so much more for you. Yeah. Actually on the, on the elephant, I took this from Sofian cause he was talking about having a sandwich, right? Oh, it's so good when you have a sandwich. And so before I left my house, cause I started that, that race in Invermere is, um, I made, uh, three peanut butter and jelly sandwich, peanut butter and jam nice sandwiches. Love. It was awesome, man. I just shoved them in my bag and yeah, they're all flat and kind of weird, but, but it was just good. It was just is just a boost when you're in the middle of nowhere it's nice just to get a boost of that yeah so for sure i i do the pb and j thing quite <laughs> often myself skip yeah. the bread and just a couple spoons <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you can go that way too so what was uh, your how, how long did it take you in the end the bt I think it, it was at 44 and a half wow. 44 and a half hours yeah so. like total time Total time. That's amazing. What was your stop time? Do you know? I forget. Yeah. I kind of, um, I was just totally basing it on on the, the total time. Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's awesome. Which is, I mean, I only did that because that's, I was like, well, nothing else really counts. I mean, your pause, nobody oh, no. worries about the pause time. But I think it's it's just a learning tool, right? You can, because oh, I'm, I'm sure. blown away by the how the stop time accumulates on these things <sighs> it's like take a jacket off right? put a jacket on you know you take, take this it's just like it all adds up it's crazy yeah and that's what i i say to people uh, all the time of if you have a jacket like know that taking that jacket off is 30 seconds but you do that you know a few times and now you have five minutes you know um you stop to go to the washroom you you know, even even coming into that convenience store, it pays to think um, yeah. coming before you're at that door, knowing what you're going for. Yeah. Um, and that way it's just in and out yeah. and, and get going again. Because like you say, uh, that, that pause time adds up unreally fast. It's shocking. So it's super shocking. I... I and I kind of get an anxiety when I'm stopped. <laughs> Do uh, you? You're so competitive. Just, you just want to go, go, go. Well, yeah. And there's that part for sure. And it's like, oh, you don't know where anybody is. Uh, uh, I think part of the fun is not checking track leaders. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, kind of not having a reference where other people are. And it's definitely, you know, fuel for the fire to keep you moving. Because I even remember texting my friend. And being like, oh, yeah, I'm like all by myself right now. But I have a feeling you know, <laughs> somebody's close, you know. And he's like, well, what are you doing talking to me? Uh, so I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like in the, I don't know, somewhere after, just after the 30-hour mark maybe. And, you know, you're getting a little like yeah. funny. Did you hallucinate? Funny, but uh yeah at one point for sure it was funny i was going down the rail trail and from having ridden with people on the first day because i ride by myself all the time yeah. I never ride with people um not by choice really but anyways 
so it was really nice to ride with all the like the four or five people but yeah I, I don't I couldn't tell you how many hours in but just going along and all of a sudden like I see almost like an orange glow of but they're like bike riders I'm like whoa this is like crazy and I didn't really put it together at first like they're not really there and then it kind of like it's like they stayed with me because like, I could see somebody beside me and then I like had like two other people behind type thing and then all of a sudden they would take off in like this streak of orange whoa. off beside me. That's and I was like, it's like, whoa, it's like, that's so crazy. And then I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm like, you're riding your bike alone. <laughs> <laughs> so that part, it cracked me up. It was good humor at that point. Especially if you expect it. Like if you're like, oh, I wonder when I'm going, when I'm going to start hallucinating. Right. Yeah. You know, it's coming. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty well versed in in that world, um, so I can quickly identify, you know, what's what's kind of going on there, and and roll with the punches, so to speak, that way. But yeah, so yeah. didn't didn't really phase me. Like I said, it was more humorous than anything, um, and just a reminder to like stay sh- try and stay as sharp as you can, because if you're at that point, you know that sleep isn't kind of far behind sometimes. Um, and yeah, just kind of trying to be smart about it too. That's, I think that's because unfortunately you do hear people in the ultra world falling asleep, um, on roads and oh yeah, yeah. that's, you know, the end of that. So yeah, I mean, uh, as much as it's a, it's a fun thing to say that you didn't sleep the whole time. Um, I don't know want to advocate that for for people um especially on their first their first kick at the can right um yeah along those lines i've been hearing a lot of stuff about sleep actually i was do you know have you heard of matthew walker are you a podcast guy yeah he's been on joe rogan and uh i think he was on peter atia uh, the drive, <clears throat> some really good podcasts if you're interested. Um, but yeah, he was just talking about sleep and just, just how important it is to sleep. And, um, I, even the, if you get into a deficit, there's no getting it back. Like there's no getting it back. And, uh, is this a guy that, sorry, was taught, did he say something on Joe Rogan's thing about the REM sleep and like how your body just banks it? I remember listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and sending it to some friends and, it was this guy that was like a sleep expert. That was Matthew Walker. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. That's, that's how yeah. I know the name. That was such a good podcast. Yeah. I sent that to a bunch of people. Yeah. People are listening uh, to this really check into that guy. And, and um, yeah, he's got, he's been a guest on a few different podcasts and uh, it's sleep is, yeah, we don't think about it when we're young, but, but it's so detrimental like not getting enough sleep is even even an hour not enough sleep per night it's it's just causes disease and mental issues and um i was watching a thing last night about how um when you sleep your uh your brain i guess has a glymphatic system so when you sleep during the day the 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 glymphatic system is not running at all but as soon as you go to sleep it fires up and it rinses your brain of toxins Whoa. Yeah. So, so cool. Yeah. So, it, so basically it takes it, takes it down to the torso. And then at that point it's, it's distributed to the organs for disposal. And, uh, so just imagine you're basically, you're not sleeping, you're building up toxins in your brain 
which is probably why a little bit why you're hallucinating, right? Because now you've got all this crap in your head that's not getting rinsed out like True. it should. And uh, and then actually it can have it can have kind of long-term effects. So there's this cool. debate in the ultra world whether so for, for instance the last thing the race I did the first night I slept 2 hours and the second night I slept 3. I tried to get 4 but I only got 3. I just got up and went. But um but another guy that just finished it uh, I think he beat me, beat my time by like a couple hours. Eric Ross, he's just a beast, but he slept forever, man. He was sleeping like, uh, I don't want to speak for him, but you know, he, he goes, yeah, I usually ride into the night and then I'll sleep and I'll get up at four and I'll, and then I'll go. But he's just so much faster and so much more efficient than I am. And maybe, yeah. maybe that, that, uh, is indicative of, yeah, I just, if you get a bit more sleep, you're going to perform 20 or 30% more or better the next day. Right. And you'll yeah. be more acute. Like you'll be, sorry, more alert. Um, super interesting. Yeah. Like people will go out there like Sofian and he didn't sleep for like 64 hours or something. Like, I know. Like, I, I remember <laughs> listening to the podcast you did with him and, and hearing his experiments in not sleeping and seeing how far he could push himself. And I think uh, it, it, seems like even the some well-versed people are still experimenting yeah which is which is cool um i think next time i were to do it i would sleep more yeah uh well sleep some <laughs> sleep <laughs> <In some>. general. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah because i i would like to see if you know uh, uh two hours one night three hours the next or kind of something like that yeah uh if or even more, maybe four and four, uh, just to see what kind of juice, extra juice that can give you. Yeah, uh, I think like like I said, this time it was more of like a Sofian experiment in a way of just seeing, can I can I push? Can I not? And go from there. Yeah, the sleep thing is crazy. Um, yeah, I think I would probably do the same thing again. I'd probably try to sleep a little bit more. I was looking at the. Have you been following the Colorado, Colorado Trail Race? I was, I, I had started because um, I was uh, following Lewis, the, the guy that had won the divide. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, he, he dropped out due oh. to some not feeling the altitude. It was just oh, messing man. with him, which it's was a, a super bummer to see. Yeah, it's an early he race. He comes all the way from Australia. Yeah. So it, he, you know, there's some uh, time and resources put into getting here. And yeah. I mean, as for everybody, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I was kind of just stoked to, to see him out there and yeah. uh, hopefully go for the, the big W. Uh, and it's always a bummer just to see whether anybody get cut short on, on their, their goal or ambitions. Yeah, it's, you know? It so. can always, it can be a little disappointing. Um, the reason I brought up the CTR was, um, Kurt Rafsnyder is leading that by, I don't know what it was, a while. Like, looks like 80 or 90K at least. Oh, it looks like he's sleeping about four hours a night, like almost almost pretty consistently. I think he rode for 20, slept for four or five. And yeah, he's just, he's got this program going and uh, and it's really, it's working for him. And that just kind of proves that, you know, sleep can can improve your performance actually. Yeah. I, I would... I would definitely lean to agreeing with that for sure. Um, I think a bit of not sleeping on this was a bit of stubbornness. 
um, a bit of like just wanting to kind of explore, like I said, that that realm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, now I kind of know that I I think efficiently I could probably push into like the 30, 32 hours. But I think it's definitely wise to probably catch some sleep after that. Yeah. And it just allows you to keep that, um, your average, I think, higher if that's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, for so. sure. So was there anyone waiting for you at the end when you finished? No, just these <laughs> uh, these two very interesting characters that were out walking their dog at 430. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were hilarious. That's funny. Um, but I mean, as I was looking at them, I'm sure they were looking at me being like, what's this alien doing here? You know, you got the <laughs> headlamp yeah. and stuff going on and you're probably meandering. I was definitely meandering. Oh, by then. Point. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I was actually, I was supposed to have a ride home from uh, St. Jacob's. And like I said, it's about 17 kilometers door to door for me Yeah, that way. So. I was like, yeah, all I have to do is make a St. Jacob's and I can call for a ride. Like, great, you know? Um, and just kind of gave everything I had in the, in the last bit to get to St. Jacob's. And then the ride didn't work out. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I was kind of like, okay, what time is it? And I was like, I could sleep for a little bit, I guess. But then I was like, I just want to get home and yeah. kind of unwind and, you know? Um, so yeah, I just decided to just mount back up and make that, that final push. And that was definitely, I think, uh, that was the hardest part. Um, it, it took me an hour and a half or more to do that 17 K and I was, uh, I'd start to feel like the, the weeds of the ditch, like on my ankles and stuff like that. And I'd kind of like snap back to it or like, you know, kind of wake up if you will, um, on the brakes already and be like, Whoa, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> point, point myself in the right direction again and keep going. The micro sleeps, uh, micro sleeps kick in after a while. Your body's just like, Hey, I'm going to go to sleep now for 30 seconds. <laughs> well, just like that guy was saying, um, you know, how many people are, are asleep technically at when they're at the workforce due to the, to lack of sleep, because he's like, he was saying, your body will get the sleep whether you want it or not. Oh, I see what you meant by banking the REM sleep. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, your body's like, okay, well, not now, but in about an hour, we're going to try it again. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, so eventually those eyes just get so heavy and you nothing you can do will, will keep them open. And, um, yeah, you just kind of got to fight through that or be smart and, and sleep. Or Yeah, even I've heard even yeah. if you get off your bike for like 10 or 15 minutes and lay down and just like rest a little bit it well, can help. yeah i've heard yeah people having you know in the ultra running world like having two minute sleep yeah, it I feels like they had eight hours or something you know and you're yeah. like oh. maybe that's so, that's keeping ahead of that uh rem sleep uh deficit by like I, these yeah. little micro naps and it kind of staves off your body's want to like just shut down i think uh the rem sleep is in the the hallucinating realm too because that's that's what it is it's trying to like dump that that dream state you know and that's when you start like, getting a little weird too but your, bo- your body not, starts no. making dmt right it's it's just making dmt well, for you and yeah just like, it's like overdrive so <laughs> yeah. away you go yeah 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 that's awesome so um 
obviously you're stoked with your results. Yeah, I'm super happy with that effort. Um, like I say, I kind of want to be pretty clear about not overly condoning doing doing that. Uh, if you don't, if it is your first or maybe it's your fifth or sixth, but I don't condone that. One on like kind of a safety level. Um, and definitely you got to know your body. And I, I feel pretty confident with that. So I, that's why I pushed through and kind of was stubborn about it. Um, you know, looking back on it and like, you know, obviously sharing that story about, you know, waking up and feeling the weeds on your arms and stuff. That's obviously not that safe. So um, if somebody that's listening is, is going to try that sort of a thing, just be aware of the consequences, you know, like it's, it's a very real consequence if, if it's not just weeds waking you up. Yeah, you have to listen. So, you have to listen to your body. That's kind of one of my things too. It's like you always have to, you know, like just as you're riding along, just do the check, like from toes to the head. Like, just how do my feet feel? Yeah. How does my ass feel? How do my knees feel? You know, totally. Or should I just get off and walk just to break things up? You know, Change or, it up, yeah. yeah. So listen to your body. That's huge. I think. Yeah. So and so, along that butter tart route. Um, you know, getting those four hours of sleep could definitely put you in the position to see um, stuff in the daytime that is definitely worth seeing. Yeah. So, um, but overall, yeah, definitely happy with, uh, uh, I'd call it more the experiment. Um, <laughs> and look forward to, to doing that route again and kind of, I think I'll probably try it on a different bike. Um, and I have an idea of, I think it can be done faster um, with a little bit uh, more navigation experience. Yeah, tell and, me about that. Did you have some navigational challenges? Yeah, so that little like uh, meltdowny blow up was. Uh, <laughs> I think what I've narrowed it down to is, um, yeah, at least with the Wahoo, I'm finding that when it's it's going from. When you're going slow, it pauses, auto pauses the ride. Uh, so when it's going from auto pause and then it's like, oh, you're just moving fast enough, and it unpauses. And then it like, so it goes from pause to unpause, pause to unpause. Oh, interesting. A lot. And it's telling, trying to tell you you're going the wrong way because if you're just off that um, Chevron line, it kind of says, oh, you're going the wrong way and uh, it starts beeping at you. So I think it did had a lot going on for it in that tight space um and it just kind of maybe overloads it in a in a sense um because i had a twenty thousand milliamp or however you say it battery yeah pack thing like the big one like, uh, it's a brick yeah. like it's pretty yeah big brick um but i i always i never let my wahoo drop under like that 30 percent battery state just i just don't again want to have any chance of dropping the ride or anything like that but yeah i had gotten through some pretty tall grass zones um and i was just like do this like sleep and i had this like thing like i never worry about insects or like ticks and stuff and uh, going through all this tall grass is like oh god damn it i don't want any ticks on me like just kind of being a grump um 
And then, yeah, then you just stack that uh, electronic problem oh, and yeah. lack of sleep, and it it uh, it totally dropped the ride and had to like recalculate the ride. Yeah. Ugh. And then and by by the time it recalculates, you'd pass a turn or something. Oh well, I was stopped because it's like uh, a twenty minute ordeal because it's like reloading all that data. Super um, frustrating. So I knew where I was, and that was the kind of the other kicker was I knew where I was, and I knew like how to get to where I needed to be, but I knew that we kind of meandered on on the way there, and I didn't know exactly because I didn't. I don't like to know every little nooking corner of a route, you know. I like you got. It's, we're here to explore a bit too, yeah. right? So, um, I just knew that it wouldn't go the exact way I was going to go. And at one point, I kind of was like, uh, "Frigate, like I'll just I'll go, <laughs> I'll head off the way I know to go." And then it finished like reloading and was like, "Oh, like I just I only had to go back like maybe 500 meters, you know, to." Right to make it right so i was like okay i'll do that um and yeah then the next part there's just like a hole in this fence that kind of threw me off for navigation too um i i just rode there yesterday and was kind of showing people on my instagram stories of like this spider web of trails in these trees and um just kind of like the scenario in the daylight you know oh right yeah can you imagine yeah in the middle of the night yeah, yeah again, and sleep like deprived, was, and yeah. So just you know, you have things stacking up, kind of yeah. uh, against you in a way. Um, and yeah, so that was that was kind of there's a, a few different things kind of bringing in a little bit of frustration. Um, and then my ride it dropped it again at one point. I was just like totally, you know, I was so close. Um, I forget at that point, I was maybe 20 kilometers out and I was just so shattered. Uh, it yeah. didn't look like it was going to reload the ride. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to have to just, I'm going to have to just get to St. Jacob's and start again. You know, I had this like thing in my head. I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just go, I'll just go ride it again. I'll do it right now. <laughs> but again, oh, it, I just waited on the side of the road. Um, for the like, you know, 20 minutes, it was kind of rebooting. And that was the last time I had that issue. And it was kind of clear sailing after that. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my only dilemma, so to speak, in, uh, in that sense. So is that something that could be rectified with the settings on that device? Um, not sure. Yeah. I now in you know in thinking back about it now, maybe I can turn off like the auto ride pause, which would maybe mm. yeah. So if I want to pause it, all you have to do is then hit pause yeah. manually, which is no problem. Um, so I probably should look at that. Uh, right now, I kind of rectified it by just today. I just picked up one of the new um, Wahoo Roams. So it's supposed to, you know, you can zoom in a little bit more um, in purpose for kind of mountain bike trail stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, got a couple of different things going on. So I'll try that out um, and just kind of play with those settings a little bit more to see if, if that affects it. And you can just kind of tone down that like 
on-offness of it. Yeah. So I, I think I, I think that messes with it. I seem to have gone. Um, I think a lot of people use the Garmin Etrex 30X. I have one. Do you? Um, <laughs> dude, that thing's bomber. Use that thing. Like, I. It's so I good. You know the only thing that the only thing that sucks about it it is um is is the view. Like, it's small. It's great for living on the line, right? Yeah. But when you want to check something out, like maybe a satellite image of where you're at, I always oh. download all the maps onto my iPhone. But I don't use it for navigation. I just use it for, uh, like maybe advanced navigation. If I'm somewhere where I I can't figure out what I'm doing or where I am, or yeah. if I'm in a town and I need to find something, and because the the phone just loads up all the points of interest, or you could use Google Maps or whatever. But you have to have service for that. But that thing, man, the batteries last for two days. You put lithiums in that thing, and uh, get two days of battery life out of it. You have to carry double A's, but that's. Is what it is. Yeah, it's... I had mine. Uh, what is it? Etrex thirty. Um, I went with the non-touch screen just because I've heard some horror stories about. It, so I yeah. got that little joystick guy on there, but uh... it's a bit of a pain. The joystick for sure. I call it the nipple. So when you want, to, you're, <laughs> you're riding along and you want to see where you're at, you flick the nipple. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's, uh, it's like you say, it's a small screen. Yeah. Um, I used it a bit through the end of my trip in South America. I acquired it when somebody came to join us for a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, the thing is bomber for sure. I just, uh, for some reason, I just didn't think, I saw it more of this like rugged, like real backcountry kind of navigation tool. Yeah. And I just didn't really think I was in that kind of uh, Fair enough. area type thing. Uh, I know a lot of people in the ultra world run an e-trex and also, you know, whatever, if they're using a Garmin or, or a phone a or whatever, the, yeah. Or even, a phone, yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of that multiple, de- multiple device setup. Um, but I figured, ah, oh, you know, it's like we'll probably have service, you know, you're, most of the time, like yeah, 90% I guess so, yeah. of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just didn't feel like we are going that off kind of the, the beaten trail so this so i was like oh one one will be fine i'm not gonna bother getting into the e-trex thing so i have to read to read the bible that comes with it <laughs> yeah it's they're they're not they're not intuitive i would say they're they're not as intuitive obviously as you know someone could pull out their phone or probably a, a Wahoo and just like start navigating like, Oh, I see. And just start searching for things. Right. For sure. The E-Trex is definitely not like that, but, but, and that's... but in terms of its accuracy, like how accurate it is and how it doesn't bug you if you make a wrong turn, like uh, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lesson learned for, for next shot is, or any other events. So uh, I'll be rocking two devices from now. <laughs> yeah. It's always good to have a backup. Yeah. yeah. So lesson learned there. And like I've kind of said a few times, it's, it was an experiment and lots of lessons were learned, which was yeah. sweet. That's a success. Um, that's a successful experiment. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I definitely pumped on it. Yeah. So, right on. And I think the other coolest part was actually getting to ride that stuff with other people for a while. Ah, I yeah. was super stoked on that. So, At least for yeah. a short time until you left them all behind. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was definitely at least a, a 12 hour shared experience. Nice. It'd be more than that, but either way. Yeah. I think the camaraderie is one of the, one of the bonuses of it all, right? Like just the people you meet and the people you hang out with, you instantly gel with these people. I find 
Oh, 100%. You're all there because you want to be, not because you have to be. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody had something something cool to like either learn from or, you know, just to chat about. So the time flies, right? Oh, yeah. You're chatting away. So, yeah, yeah, before you know it, it's, you know, dark and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess we got to kind of jump into this mode and, and yeah. <laughs> be prepared for that. So. so do you have any other races planned this summer? Um, actually, on uh, next week, I ride out to Quebec. Oh, nice. Or uh, a like a ride race it's a, like a day event it's uh, 130 k's and it's called the big red gravel run nice uh yeah so i did that last year and i again i don't drive um and i couldn't kind of find anybody to carpool with so you're gonna ride there <laughs> so i just decided i would ride there awesome and it was honestly the best decision that i could have made um Again, I got the, you know, it turned into kind of this multi-day adventure um, and just was out there having fun, like seeing new stuff. Um, And, you know, come race day, it was nice because my body was in the motion of riding already. So, uh, yeah, I'm totally pumped to, to be heading off there again and seeing all those people and Again, you know, friends made, and I don't get to see them all the time. So it'll definitely be sweet to go hang out with some of those people. So we'll have to keep watch on the gram for your adventures out there on that. Yeah, no, all that stuff. I definitely will. uh, I'll keep the up the data on the the phone side of things. (laughs) Yeah, you better, man. Overage charges. Yeah, well, exactly right. So. No, I definitely keep the stories pumping through there. Um, definitely not posting as many photos these days. I find it's just uh, it's quick and dirty with the Instagram stories. And I almost feel people get more of a feeling and a connection of what you're, what you're doing. Like a photo can, you know, can say a few different things, but uh, just that you get to stack the audio on top of this image is really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I just think, brings people more into what you're doing so and that's really what i i think all of us use the platform for really is to to kind of give people that insight so i think that's a pretty true insight to what's going on and um that's why i was glad you know to be able to share those frustrating moments even during butter tart you know people get to see what you are like when you don't have any sleep or you're you know, lost or whatever it is so yeah. um yeah Heading up to to Big Red Gravel Run, you can you can check that out on Instagram too. They have a page there, and they've been uh, yeah, kind of getting everything prepped. So it'll be really cool. Cool. Well, well, plug your uh, your accounts. Uh, yeah, I mean, people can find me on Instagram mainly at, at Kyle underscore Mess M E S S. Um, I don't really use Facebook too much these days except for some messages, but Instagram is definitely the, the place to find me for sure. Cool, man. It was a great talking to you, Kyle. Hey, no, I, I appreciate the time. That was uh, awesome. Awesome chatting. Are you going to come out to the summit? I think I am. Are you? Sweet. I'm, uh, trying to get myself organized for that. So that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I was out in Camor not too long ago. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's definitely too cool of a place not to uh, <laughs> aspire to be. So, yeah, and I think I had never heard of the summit before last year. I started seeing stuff on Instagram after finding the Alberta's Alberta Rockies yeah. ride. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, like, is this together? And then I, I slowly figured it out. But, um, yeah, the the summit looks too cool not to be at. So I definitely will be putting a push on to make it there. I don't know if I'm going to ride there. <laughs> take the airplane. So forgive well, me for that. But uh, tell you what, you fly, you fly into Cranbrook, which is near Invermere. Okay. And then you come up and meet me and then we'll ride there together. All right. I'm <laughs> just throwing it out. I there. like that. I, I usually ride. It's about a, it's about 185 K from here to, to Canmore, just okay. on, just on the pavement. But I bring my my rig because I I always like to go on the overnighter. So you have to go on the overnighter, right? Yeah, no, yeah. that's the other that's the other cool part. I like uh, the idea of the overnighter too. So yeah, let's keep chatting and yes. let's make that. that yeah, happen. for That'd sure. Be sweet. It'd be fun to have some company through the park. It's it's beautiful, but you know it's kind of a long day on the pavement. Uh, is what it is. You know. Yeah. yeah. Can't be dirt all the time. No. <laughs> all right, brother. Hey, it was good to talk, uh, chat with you. Yeah, you as well. We'll talk to you soon. We will. Take it easy. Ciao, man. Ciao. So there you have it, everyone. BT700 Part 2. What did you think? Did you enjoy it? I know I did. I always find a lot of uh, inspiration talking to these people. Um, Just awesome, great, experienced athletes. And uh, I love I learned so much from these conversations. And I hope you do, too. That's the whole point, just to bring the community together. And I hope you're enjoying it. For those of you going to the summit, I will see you there. I can't wait to get out there. Uh, I'm going to be hitting the highway from Invermere on Wednesday morning, super, super early. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to ride out. It usually takes me about 10 hours, I think, to get to Canmore, 10 or 12 hours, depending on how much I stop. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm going to be uh, crashing in town at my friend Katrina's house. Super stoked to see them. Maybe we'll do another podcast while I'm hanging out about their uh, their uh, summer family bikepacking adventure. I'm sure that they'll have a lot to say about that. So, yeah, again, I'm really looking forward to getting out there and seeing everyone. Don't be a stranger. Um, I I rarely see people uh, from time to time. So if you come up to me and I give you a blank look like I don't know who you are, it's probably because I forgot your name. And uh, don't be shy. Come up, say hi. Um, Can't wait to see everybody. So until next time, get out there, ride bikes, sleep in the woods, and keep the rubber side down. (laughs) 